very honored Fraterbeetees, Esoterra Nerd Podcast, episode 111, in which Joe Zabinski and I interview Megan Song, founder of the open source order of the Serpent Rainbow Phoenix, and author of Love is Not a Thought Crime. Sorry about the audio in that first bit, uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, but um, for those of you on YouTube, I know you understand, and uh, anyway. Um, oh, uh, but first, Indian Magic with P.U. Do you remember a couple months ago, you were talking about a technique that a person can use if they uh, are under attack by a black magician? Something involving shaving your head and a river? Yeah, the one which I told you, this ritual should be done when somebody has done a really bad kind of dark magic on you. Mm. Then it can be done. Uh, it doesn't, uh, you don't have to have a lot, many different kind of things or collect things. You just need one thing. Your head full of hair you have because you have to shave your head and offer all the hair collect all the hair after shaving um, and uh, in a ple- in a piece of white cloth that will be better and then pour it in flowing water mm. that is river and uh, you have to think and then you can speak also say also that whatever you gave me whatever you sent to me is coming back to you Mm. is going back to you Mm. not even a trace of anything you sent my way i am holding with me i'm giving everything back to you whatever you sent me my way by thinking this passionately intensely and speaking this one or once or thrice you have to pour that uh, all of those hairs in water flowing water in the cloth or uh, open the cloth open and... the cloth and then okay mm. just that <laughs> wow it's very very simple yeah it's very simple not too many people know about this mm. and uh, but yeah because uh, people are generally not ready to shave their heads so it's a big thing and also it's it it looks simple but it's very strong hmm. yeah hair is like associated with memory like uh, we were growing that hair at a different fa- phase in our life so by cutting it it's like yeah shaving fresh. it yeah people use hair in magic right? yeah yeah to but focus on a person yeah and uh, like uh, personally people feel that hair is their a part a big part of their you know physical appearance yeah. and kind of their identity and mm. memories as you said yeah so these are on like on not like superficial levels but like no, there like is a grounded, very like yeah yeah it's 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 a big it's a very strong uh, kind of you know what you call that thing uh, that kind of or, uh, no, that kind of magic where you send back all those yeah yeah uh, yeah send back or protection or uh, yeah it, mm. it's mainly for sending back if somebody has done a very bad black magic on you mm. 
as well. It's a, it's a simple solution for that. Simple but very powerful. powerful. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Piyu. Uh, for those who don't know, Piyu is uh, my wife. Um, Priyal is her proper name. Piyu is a nickname. Anyway, uh, so in this episode, Joe and Megan and I will talk about a lot of things. Um, so without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Fredder. How are Hi. you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I, I like feel like spiders. I feel like we haven't talked in ages. I, I mean, yeah. It's been I, a couple I, months. Hasn't yeah. Or more. Gosh, maybe three months. Yeah, something like that. You, really? That long? Well, not on face-to-face. I don't right. know when that was. Today's it's November now. So was that September? Was I it 43 or 42? It was like it was like <laughs> early autumn, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This time so 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 last time last time we did this, it I it didn't really register with me like um like how long how long these podcasts actually go for. Yeah. And so <laughs> And so like this time, so I set, I set up, uh, last time I just set up like at my dining room table mm. and this time I'm, um, comfy this chair. time I'm like, I'm in my easy chair, yeah. <laughs> I've got water, I've got uh, snacks or just like, I just have to reach over there. Nice, fine. nice. Yeah, I got my water. Yeah. Actually, when you said that, it occurred to me and I, I didn't want to deal with taking all this off. So I grabbed the microphone and brought it with me over to grab my bottle of water so i'm covered <laughs> you might have saved my life <laughs> so how have you been oh good real good been, yeah uh, you were on uh, rc's podcast and what tell me about the uh i've forgotten the name of it uh it, it has to do with agrippa the star oh yeah so so there's i've seen so the okay so there's like there's a couple things yeah there's yeah. a couple things happening um for one uh, I, so I sort of, I delved into, it started with this, with this curiosity about, um, about the Emerald tablet, because I remembered that, um, Brian Cottonwar had written about the Emerald tablet in this way that I hadn't really explored much. Mm. Um, and so I, and so like, like I looked into what he was doing. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, well, next step is source texts, right? So, uh, so I got um, I got this French and Latin translation of the text that he was working with. So mm -hmm. he was working with um, he was working with this this book called The Secrets of Nature, um, which is this it's it's this book that comes from like early medieval Arabic times, mm. um, and it's where the Emerald Tablet comes from. Okay um the emerald tablet is actually it's sort of this like epilogue that appears at the end of it 
Um, so the secrets of nature, is like this, this, it's this really, it's actually pretty long for, for a treatise of this kind. It just talks about like all the different kinds of stuff in nature, right? Mm. Minerals, plants, animals, whatever. And it's sort of this encyclopedia of, of, uh, of correspondences. Um, and at the end you get, you get the Emerald tablet. Um, so I read, I read like that version of the Emerald Tablet and it's like very different from, um, well, and it's not very different, but it's just different enough from the version of the Emerald Tablet that later made it into like medieval times and the Renaissance times and just kept going and going and yeah. going, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so the, the pod, the thing that I worked with RC on was this sort of this just this presentation of um, of that version of the Emerald Tablet as a summary of celestial magic. Hmm. Nice. Now, my understanding historically is that there was open trade between the Ottoman Empire and the uh, the Eastern Church, but the Eastern Church wouldn't have been interested in. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, because I, 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 I remember something about the, the ancient Greek, like uh, the philosophers having been translated into Arabic, and there was that whole thousand year period, kind of the golden age of, of uh, the Arabian world uh, that expanded, you know, from Spain all the way to China, um, where, uh, where there was Ibn, Ibn Battuta, have you heard about him? He inspired me. He no. inspired one of my ideas for a book that I might write as my tenth or eleventh book, um, but mine would be <laughs> fictional. But his was real. He, uh, I, I'm trying to remember which century. I'm stalling while I try to remember the century, but I think it was the 1400s, and uh, and or maybe the 1300s. I'm not sure. It was around. Oh, is she? She's joining us. She's okay, here. we'll talk more. Put a pin in Ibn Battuta. I mean. Figuratively speaking, welcome, Sora. How are you? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Oh my God, I'm finally an Esoteric Nerd for real. Yay! It's official. <laughs> wow. It's official. You so, made it. So yeah, I mean, um, I was going to jump right in, but how are you? Sure. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, that's good. I've, I've had caffeine and everything. Oh, that's great. Me too. Uh, too much no doubt <laughs> and we're all dressed apparently that was a challenge oh yeah mine. yeah i i dress this way when it's uh gd people you know if it's uh outsiders you know then i i wear something else like my bhutani monk's robe or something you know <laughs> i, I kind of want to get you i kind of want to get you like like more wardrobe pieces for different people that you I talk mean, to if you're going that far, you're just not going far. I enough. know, I know exactly. I, mean, I, I need have to, like I did really, have a really priest robe back in the robe. day. You guys have seen it, I'm sure, on Facebook. You know, I wear that priestly robe, but I gave that to uh, Frater uh, Robbie Frater uh, Silence the Aquarian. He has that, and uh, so I. But I need a new one. I know the Catholic Supply they ship all, worldwide, but they're a little expensive. But at a certain point, I I will replace my my Catholic. Uh, attire for sure it goes well with the kimono too the kimono by itself with the rose cross is kind of a a new development that's like 
little cross-cultural uh, mayhem yeah. going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort it. of where uh, where Shing Shingon meets, uh, oh, I don't know, something. <laughs> Vajrayana Hermeticism, <laughs> Japanese flavor, yep. you know. So tell well, us very about you, the right? Uh, like it, it, it totally, it totally encapsulates the <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. So how can we become members of the open source order of the Rainbow Serp Phoenix? Oh, I lost it. <laughs> the open source order of the Rainbow Serpent Phoenix. Serpent. Yeah, yes. is that at the right? That is correct. Oh, good. So open good. source. Good. Uh, well, basically, you really have to have a sincere calling to be part of this incredibly serious society, which is basically um, cacophony society meets uh, ritual magic. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. I'm not really trying to promote it to be something large because uh, having belongs to multiple orders at this point, I've seen the bigger it gets, the more wealthy oh, it gets. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I, I avoid teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm nominally the head of the order, but I'm only the head of the order because I'm the founder of the order. Um, that's really, all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> shit. That was not the idea. I don't know how I ended up here. Uh, Ed, Joe, I, uh, what the fuck? Oh, well, here we are. <laughs> got it, got it. Well, basically, what happened was I was doing magic work. And I mean, duh, I'm a magician. That's <laughs> what we do. And I was finding that not having the protection of a full egregore was starting to cause me some problems mm. in certain aspects of my work. Mm. So being the creative soul that I was, I was like, OK, well, I've been carrying these temple seeds ever since EOGD. Mm -hmm. It was noted back then that, um, uh, remember Falafel, Frater Crispy No Pants? Falafel? Uh, LFL. Oh, yeah, oh LFL. yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, look, that, uh, so they noted once, like we would have, it was me and um, Frater RV and Falafel would like basically and sometimes um, some of the other folks, the younger crowd, as it were, we would get together and we would do these incredible like study sessions and we would get into these incredibly deep conversations about all the Golden Dawn work system. Mm. And then there would be like these, you know how it goes, Ed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just do what I know you know. Uh, there would be these like interesting subliminal <laughs> attractions between members. Right. And we didn't act on them because we were really trying to be good. And we were aware that of the right. problems. Right. Uh, you know, we've all got dueling alchemy. Mm. So we, but still there was an energy in that, that the adepts noticed and, um, at a certain point commented on and we're like, all right, we're seeing where you guys are having blowouts and fights and, and the amount of energy in these interactions is the founding of a new temple. Wow. Y'all are like passing temple seeds right. around the room. And mm. so we just want you to be aware of that and, and kind of cherish what you're nurturing and try not to have so many blowouts and also understand that like the reason that there is tension is because of the amount of energy that you guys are, are crafting together. Right. So um, I, when he passed and RV is doing his own thing, basically I've been holding those star seeds for a long time. Mm. And uh, so I use them to create the work. 
and also mm. just connect it to a current. Um, and so, yeah, it's got its own current. It's got its own egregore. It's solid. I've, I've kicked the tires a few times. And uh, so it really, it gives me more of a grounded base from which to work. But being me, I'm going to invent some sort of completely over the top um, ritual of initiation at some point. <laughs> I, there yet. I, I like the ones that get out in nature, you know, like the old days, the, uh, yeah. the Lucius writes up in the cliffs and mountains and Perfect. caves. That's so and... in my wheelhouse, especially like yeah. I'm now dating um, the, the new great love of my life and uh, which is headed towards Sirius and he lives in Vermont and I live in Massachusetts so we're kind of like essentially living together but um in two two apartments so we just we migrate back and forth mm. constantly yeah Vermont for the weekend um and then we'll go back down next week when I've got to do some work stuff yeah so it's getting out of nature is a great way to go the only actual vows that I make people swear when they become members is um, treat everyone within the order with respect and tenderness, um, assume that people are not trying to be offensive and instead of just going straight to flame wars, right. stop. If you need to ask for help from me or if I assign any other moderators, then go go get help if you're having a difficult piece of interaction but don't mm. just like start blasting away at each other please yeah I've yeah seen that very mm. ugly. i don't enjoy that and the other one is of course the standard magical order uh you're not allowed to tell anyone outside of the order about membership in the order uh unless you have explicit permission right like the names of the members like that yeah you, can, you can't be yeah. like blowing cover yeah so for sure. that, other than that, it's pretty much, it's uh, so far alchemical tarot based. Um, we embody different tarot cards for different purposes. And of course, this is all connected to the uh, front face, which is Empress, the band that I started. Mm, nice. And Empress is all, every single song is written um, consciously embodying tarot cards. Is there a and, track we might close with at the end of this episode? Oh, I haven't recorded anything yet. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Suck. Next time. Next time. Next time. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So, maybe um, I have a favorite song or something that you could, mm -hmm. that you could, that you could recommend for us. Maybe um, like, we could start the episode with it. Maybe the What's Unsolved that? Mysteries theme. And then. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I can record something for you after and pass it off to you. Oh, for sure. And you can, like, yeah. And I can wait down. a couple of days before I put this up. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I'm a word guy. I like to break things down word by word. Um, so open source reminds me of open source order of the golden dawn, and which of mm -hmm. course reminds me of, of Linux. Would you, would you like to explain for like the newbies for the people who are sure. tuning in from Korea and just barely understand, you know what I mean? Like uh, the, the references yeah, we're do. making. So basically, um, it's open source in that I'm putting out material, but once I put it out, I don't have attachment to it. And if somebody wants to join the order, pick up a piece of what I'm doing with the system and tweak it, rewrite aspects of it to be more personally useful to them, I'm totally cool with that. Like there are 
there are systems of magic where they're really Close. rigid and they, they, yeah. they stay stay within the idiom and don't fuck around and then <laughs> this one is kind of the polar opposite where i'm like right. so i'm building this system and i will be writing specific rituals i mean i do i make up my own rituals all the time um what i will probably do is start publishing a few on the facebook group just you know if people want to play with them always with a caveat of this is why I did it this way. It may not work that way for you, or it may be dangerous for you, um, depending on what your resonance is and, and who your power sources are. So look at what I got going on here. And if you need to change anything, that's another reason I feel that it should be open source because what works great for Ed or Joe or mm. Meg might not work great for Molly. You know, it's just, right. you never know what you're dealing with. Um, and I don't want anyone to either not be as successful as they want to be or worse blow themselves up somehow because um if you look at my chart it's pretty clear why uh but i'm kind of intensity jane on the half shell sometimes when it Mm. comes to magic and life and love and everything so my magical choices might not be safe for everyone Mm. like i can get away with it for reasons but uh, you know and I'm also very aware of exactly where the line is. Like the line is here mm. and I will go up and I will ding it, but I'm not going past it. Right. When I was younger, I went past it. I blew myself up a few times. It wasn't pretty. Oh, we have to find you, the line. Can yeah. you talk, can you talk more about, uh, can you talk more about like, like what you perceive as like a, as like a, a dangerous thing to do? Uh, so don't, don't feel like you have to. I just no. I'm just so for, for a good example, um, there are those who can safely play with chthonic entities. There are those who can safely do an underworld shadow dance. Um, I happen to be one of them, although I'm really at this point moving away from it. I kind of got what I needed out of those interactions, and it was super helpful, particularly in my case for healing from trauma um but in the end playing underside underworld chthonic stuff um you can really get into a lot of trouble that what, way what like, is chthonic i'm totally ignorant. Um, so chthonic entities are underworld gods goddesses and spirits and so they they exist down okay that's just their- the word for that I'm so I'd say my, I'm I might be familiar with them because uh, I, yeah. I was like Chthonic, what's that? Because <laughs> oh, I have yeah. no idea what that means. C T H O N I C, sort of like Cthuloid. Oh, Cthuloid. oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Elder Gods and sure. um, Dark Side, and yeah, you really have to be careful if you play in that space because mm. um, these are not necessarily benevolent entities Mm. depending on how you treat with them they can be benevolent for you Mm. um, because they can they sort of get it they get all of the terrible stuff and they're able to hold the terrible stuff which is why if you're doing like trauma healing work they can be quite useful Mm. but um they're heavy hitters right what's that i said they're heavy hitters they're very heavy hitters Mm -hmm. and what their notion of what might be best for your path might not be something that you necessarily agree with and they might not spell it out when you ask for help so you know you can do all the tests and you can have contracts and agreements 
but in the end um i would warn anyone to be super duper careful playing in that space mm. and that's why those sorts of rituals i will not be writing down right. i feel that people who form those sorts of connections i mean i don't really truck with key of solomon although i've studied it um because i don't really feel comfortable you know i i i have studied it in a very independent study manner i have not studied it in a context where i feel it's safe to play in that space yeah so i find it all fascinating as um esoteric material that i i've got in my brains but yeah i i know when people start monkeying about with goetic entities and they don't have enough training that's where people can get into some serious trouble mm. I, I don't want to go there. No. So serpents and phoenixes both have a regenerative quality. Do rainbows? Very much so. Mm -hmm. mm. So rainbow, um, there's this legend, and this is where we start to sound a little woo-woo, but whatever. <laughs> uh, there's the legend of the rainbow tribe mm -hmm. that's uh, basically here. Um, we've intermingled our blood for so many centuries that there's, you know, essentially a rainbow tribe of diversity at this point mm. and so i have also a strong attachment to the rainbow as a queer human mm. i'm gender fluid pansexual and polyamorous as well so i really i love all the colors of the rainbow and then there's just the lovely i feel it goes with the regenerative properties because there's a iris of greek mythology just gently mm bringing the rainbow across the world and renewing everything by doing so. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess there's a strong feeling of renewal yeah. in this particular order. We're, uh, I, I joke about being the king of the island of misfit toys. <laughs> you know, if you've watched the Rudolph, um, King Moonbeam, I think, the lion. And I'm a Leo, so, you know, lion. And I think those of us that are, find our way to the order, um, the people that have been attracted so far are sort of on the other side of being broken. We were all broken in one way or another by, you know, lousy childhoods, by abusive relationships, by just, it's pretty hard living in this world the way it's currently configured. Right. You know, right. a lot of people struggle. Mm. So we've all, we're all survivors in the order so far and we come together and we hold each other. And yeah. so it's about empowerment, self-actualization, renewal, um, healing from old wounds without closing down and becoming hardened but managing to stay expansive and compassionate that's Very a big nice. yeah, yeah that's a big game with me so i i have i have i have questions um okay. before earlier you uh earlier you mentioned something called the cacophony society mm. um what is the cacophony society ah i'm so <laughs> So the Cacophony Society uh, was formed, I forget exactly when, maybe 70s. It grew out of San Francisco um, hippie culture. And they're a bunch of jolly tricksters. And they would just pull pranks. They would do like streak parades. They, you know, just all get naked on a bus and watch the carnage ensue. Uh, I believe they were behind the cement cuddlers incident. They um, took these teddy <laughs> and filled them with cement and put them in um, department stores, like toy stores, right around Christmas time, if I recall correctly. And like, then there were these hilarious moments of like, 
you know, a guy who's a plant from the Cacophony Society. I'm pretty sure it was them. I, I could be conflating two incidents. I'm not sure. But they go up and, you know, it's got the wrong barcode tag on it. So they try to scan it. And then the poor cashier drops the thing and is like, good God, why is that so heavy? So heavy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like a normal teddy bear. It's, it's, it's hiding its cement core. <laughs> yeah, so there was some serious shenanigans. And then um, the Burning Man movement actually mm. grew out of Cacophony Society. So it's, uh, I believe Harvey was part of Cacophony and then, you know, did his little dance with the man on the beach in San Fran. And before you know it, boom, 50,000 people in the desert near Reno. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a fine tradition of tricksters and flash mob people and all that good stuff that I'm sort of uh, building on here. Nice. And it definitely ties too to my expressive therapy um, I'm an expressive arts therapist, which is a form of mental health counseling that involves all of the forms of creative arts therapy. So you've got the separate modalities of art therapy, music therapy, dance, movement, drama, and biblio, which is writing, poetry, etc. And there are people that specialize. I do all of them. Very nice. It makes me think of uh, uh, Jodorowsky. There's that book, Psychomagic. <laughs> Oh, you, you like that book? <laughs> I haven't read that particular one, but I, I'm oh, very oh, flattered yeah, yeah. comparison. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he, uh, when he, he started out as a poet, and, but it, it, the sort of poet he was, he would, he was explaining how when he was young in Chile, if you, or at least in the city he was in, um, one day he wanted to, to walk from one end of the city to the other in a straight line. And so at times he had to go through people's houses or like climb up to a balcony and walk through someone's window and like tap on the window and explain hi I'm a poet I'm walking across the city in a straight line and they'd say oh of course come on in you know and like people just sort of understood you know and so then from there he kind of grad you know he ended up in Paris doing uh live theater improvised you know things like but then uh there was one time where they they said did you ever hesitate was there ever a time where you stopped yourself from doing whatever popped into your head and he said yes there was a time when he was going to grab a whole bunch of snakes and throw them into the crowd that was watching and then he oh like he stopped himself because he realized oh someone could have a heart attack or something you know but that they would be have, really bad yeah. you know naked people and fake blood and cars and you name it you know anything going on but then <laughs> then he he developed at one point he was uh he was assisting a woman in Mexico City who was like the famous healer that I'm trying to remember the name of that that Netflix show. It was really good where uh, Durandura. I mean, the, there was a Mexican American woman who goes down to southern Mexico and into a cave and ends up meeting. She ends up becoming the next like witch that's gonna that's gonna. Um, keep the tradition going. She meets the last of the the old ones, you know? That movie was called Old Ways. And it's so good, it's so good. But anyway, that woman I think was based on um, the woman that Alejandro Jodorowsky was working for that was this famous healer oh, wow. in Mexico City. And she would do things like reach into someone's body and pull out their heart and then blow on it and put it back and then they'd be healed. And he's just watching her do it. And he's like, if it's sleight of hand, it's, really good but why is she doing sleight of hand when 
they're unconscious. I'm the only one watching and I'm watching from the corner, you know, is it for me, you know? And so he had, he had a really interesting time. And so he developed this idea called psycho magic, where, like you said, using dance and words and whatever it is, music or symbols or travel, or so someone comes to him and says, I feel, I feel um, like I don't belong anywhere. I'm, uh, I'm Philippine American and I grew up in America. I don't really relate with my Philippine side and people in America look at me as a foreigner. And so he gives, the, he says, take this mango, tape it to your chest and get in an airplane and go to the Philippines, go to the land where your surname is from and give them the mango. And so, uh, so this woman says, okay, does that. <laughs> and, um, and, and they get there and, and, it's, and it's a mango orchard. Like, oh you know, or, or I don't know if it was mangoes, but it was like that thing, like just he intuitively knew you should do this. And wow. when she got there and presented a mango to the mango farmers that were her ancestors, they said, welcome. <laughs> and it just could, was a healing, like a instant, but it was exactly the right prescription. And, and so he oh, was saying, wild. there's no, there's no prescription that works for everyone. There's no prescription that even works for two, the same two different people. Like every individual's healing is, is their process so it reminded me of that <laughs> so, i don't mean to talk so much <laughs> that, that, that just it makes me it makes me think of um like like well i mean i mean i i guess this is a it's a form of expressive arts therapy right like like you were saying and it makes me think that it makes me think about how um whenever you need healing like you go outside yourself right you go to you go to the doctor or you go to the or you go to the therapist and, and you seek out you know you seek out healing right and it makes me think about how that seeking out healing is really it's really a holy quest right and that mm-hmm. and that um you created that quest right so even like just going to the doctor because you're sick like you both you're the one who thought of that idea, right? That, that, okay, I'm going to go on this, I'm going to go on this pilgrimage to go see the, um, the wise person, the wise person will have, will have something, uh, that will heal me. Right. Um, and it makes me think about how, like, like you can, you can, you, you do create your own healing all the time. Right. Um, and that like, even if, you know, but, but that I, I've never really thought before about how, like, like you don't have to create your healing in a sanctioned way, Mm -hmm. right? You don't like, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, well, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, take mangoes to your wrong. I mean, if you've got strep throat, you go to the doctor, you get antibiotics, you you get healed. Um, it becomes more complicated when you're dealing with either psychosomatic body manifestations of trauma or grief or other psychological conditions and it gets more complicated when you're trying to deal with with emotional and psychological wounds or um, mental health conditions yeah so it kind of at that point it sort of determines what you need to do um, I work with both Western medicine and Eastern and um, then, of course, the realms. I'm a Reiki master, so I also work with Reiki and energy healing and magical healing and the expressive arts therapy for the psychological stuff. 
but uh, I also take pills. Um, I have bipolar one, and if I don't take my Abilify, it's going to get way more interesting than you want it to get, and not in a good way. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> I'm a barrel of fun when I am unmedicated um, until the mania starts tipping towards actual psychosis. And then it's really not fun for me or anyone around me whatsoever. Mm. So I take my pills every day. And I also take lion's mane and ashkawanda, which is um, an Ayurvedic remedy for regulating brains. Mm. And um, I find that the combo makes me pretty even feel, which is, it's been lovely, you know, to, to have access to all of my brain and, and be calm. Yeah, I was having, uh, I think I have both of those too. She gives me things all the time and I just take them, you know. But, uh, but for a while I was. Your wife. So if your wife gives you pills, you just yeah. take them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was, uh, I was mixing uh, lion's mane, except I call it tiger's mane because we have a, a soft toy, what they call a soft toy here, what we call stuffed animals in America. Anyway. Oh um so yeah tiger's mane i, I was mixing with uh, the coffee every morning so that was how we were oh, okay. working that in <laughs> i find it helps and i, I yeah. also you know i have adhd and mm. i think it's helping with that as well i also know like combo of that plus coffee what does the h stand for hyperactive okay okay yeah, when, when I was I'm young, I remember people saying more ADD. On the ADDs and, the, hmm. and I'm probably more on the ADD rather than ADD. Oh, okay. They're two there. different things. I thought one was short. They are. Um, attention <laughs> deficit. ADD is attention deficit disorder. ADHD is with hyperactivity. And I'm more attention deficit than attention deficit plus hyperactivity, I think. Although it's hard to tell because, yeah. you know, comorbidities with the bipolar one where does the mania end in the hyperactive ADHD? Right. I mean, I think a lot of that, I mean, because I grew up, I think I was, you know, the first generation that played video games from the age of four, I think, you know, like uh, the uh, Xennials. Yeah, yeah. We're about the same age, I think. All, all three of us, actually. Um, I'm 49, so, yeah. Oh, okay. You're a bit... Uh, elder so you remember in television i'm elder elder than me elder, yeah well you know respectfully um you're, no, no, no. You're my elder. Elder. she she says she tells me i'm her elder so i should know better you know this kind of thing. Oh, um, i'm uh, 43 so <laughs> oh, wow, <you're laughs> there's a sort of old british english that's spoken here that's very it's very nice like they don't even speak that way in england anymore it's like it's kind of like surprising when I first got here, I was like, whoa, okay. I, they said Tiffin and I was like, what's that word? And Tiffin, it's English. Do you want Tiffin? Are you hungry? I'm like, oh, you mean like Tiffin, like an old timey, like in Jane Austen books. Yeah, of course I'll have some Tiffin. You know? Wow. Okay. What a trip. What, but anyway. what does Tiffin mean? Mute. Okay, wow, that was weird. Aha. I hope the recording thing is still uh, fine. Well, anyway, we'll see. <laughs> it bounced. It said so recording stopped, and then when you came back, it said recording resumed yeah. or something like that. So I'm sorry, where were we just then? Um, you were oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's just it? breakfast. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. It's like an old timey oh. thing. And then, uh, and then, you know, put it in the Almira. I'm like, in the what? The armoire? No, the Almira. It's an English word. I'm like, really? Uh, it's uh, like an old, it means a dresser, like a, a fancy word for a dresser. 
And uh, no, wow. a, lot of, a lot of little things like that. And a little oh, like, cool. sort of 18th and 19th century, you know, uh, British customs that are still kind of active unconsciously. They just sort of like are, came with the language and the, you know, the, well, anyway, that was a whole other thing. That's a whole other subject. <laughs> the, the, you know about all that, right? The, the British Monte Carnica. There's a movie called Monte Carnica, if you haven't seen. And this is for the not, people listening yeah. to. Oh, 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 she's great. Oh, Canada Nap. Can I, I, can I get away with saying her name without someone here to correct me? Angrezi sarkar kito ki taran jhasi par nazar kaadi bethi she was uh <laughs> i i finally just saw fashion that's another bollywood movie that it's where she got her start that same actress that, that was the producer director and star of money karnica when she was younger she was uh an actress who played the role of a supermodel and then um priyanka chopra who was miss universe played the role of a new upcoming model who was like new to the industry and um it, it i just recommend watching it it's, it's super I love Bollywood, so that sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm you know getting to see more and more. So we're you we're on a, place, so. yeah. I'm trying to remember what's the name of the guy who who played Ashok. Oh shoot! It looks like okay. Well, we got ten minutes, and then we'll do another. We'll start up another chat, and we'll just I'll edit it later. Okay. Okay. Um. Well, anyway, <laughs> Bollywood. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think actually that that's not too far off topic because I think that no. the uh, the Indian uh, British period is largely responsible for the atmosphere that was in the air that uh, that developed flowered into things like the Theosophical Society and the Golden Dawn and, and all of these other things. I mean, you know, like simply put, I think people were jealous, you know, when they saw these people that were doing such devout, devout things with incense in, you know, in, in old England, only the priest does that, you know, and he does one yeah. specific thing, one specific set of steps. And then they were in India watching every clerk when they open up in the morning, blessing Lakshmi 11 times. And, you know, the, just a moment, I'll be with you in a moment. I have to finish praying to the goddess of prosperity for my business. Okay. Now you, what do you want? Cigarettes? Okay, here you go. And that's just a way of life here, you know? And uh, so I think people in, people who saw that and then went home and talked about it and you know this kind of thing people who grew up here and then went home and then went back to England you know there was a, there was a hunger for for more for magic for for mysticism for something other than Anglican church you know so I think uh oh yeah and I mean there's societies at some point seems to have either intentionally sent someone here or um there was uh what's her name from the Golden Dawn, the original Golden Dawn Society, mm. there was, uh, was it Annie? Who eventually Annie ended Horton? up in India and opened a school mm. for girls here. Mm. So you have that connection. Then you've got Alistair Crowley sending, um, Bennett? He, what could he called Sivananda? Oh. He sent one of his people over to India to study, study the mysticism. And 
he was supposed to come back and teach good old but Mel. <laughs> and instead he kind of got seduced away by the Indian culture. You know something yeah. about that, Ed. Uh, yeah. You are like married and living in India now. So yeah, yeah like you, you know about getting seduced away by the Indian culture. I, it's yeah. part of the reason I'm a little afraid to go over there. No, oh, not really. It was I, an, I, 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 India. I left California. I'm going to end no up on your doorstep. Tell Priya. <laughs> I had no intention of coming back. A magician friend California. is coming at some point. My only question was, am I going to marry the pretty girl on Facebook or become a monk? I didn't know I was going to stay here one or the one way or the other. Oh, <laughs> so you, did so, you actually yeah. questioned whether you were marrying the pretty girl versus becoming a monk. Well, I bet she did not have a lot of trouble convincing you which path she follows. Oh, no, that was before she and I spoke. <laughs> oh, you were just looking at her picture. Yeah, no, we, we chatted once or twice. <laughs> I could tell from her posts, you know. Oh, you were all smitten from day one. That's adorable. Well, you know, I, to a certain degree. It was a different time back then. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's always a different time back then. <laughs> yeah, I, so noticed I, noticed, a, I noticed a familiar uh, common, you know, commonality and spirit of uh, being yeah. unhappy, being unsatisfied with the status quo and wanting to reach out. And I thought that maybe those two, those two mutual unhappinesses could could uh complement each other into a yin yang of infinite possibility you know and so that's nice we we both are teaching out. each other every day you know so oh that's good. the best relationship yeah I, Joe, I've got a lot of that with yeah i didn't expect to find jake that uh <laughs> jake showed up on the worst week of my life and mm. worst week of my life is really saying something um mm. because it involves uh other people i'm not going to get into the details of why it was the worst week of my life i think you guys know i think i told you but anyway family member in crisis this is just after i had come out of my own bipolar episode and started and then uh, and so I'm in the ER with them for a week, basically. And somewhere in the middle of that, it all gets a little blurry from lack of sleep. Uh, Jake happens. This lovely person posted on the Boston Burning Man community saying that he was getting um, ketamine treatments for severe suicidal depression. And um, he needed, you know, donations to his fundraiser but also the biggest thing was he needed rides to the appointments because they're in connecticut and so i without thinking about it hit him up and said hey i'm happy to help i can't afford to donate but i have a, a very comfortable rav4 and you know i'll uh let you pick the soundtrack and <laughs> even provide you with like snacks and water it's it'll basically be like a really cool uber but driven by a burner and you don't have to pay and he was like oh my god who are you you're amazing <laughs> and nice. so basically i rescued him and then he rescued me because at that point um having so freshly come out of everything i and being so traumatized by what my um family member was going through I was just like really in a very elevated triggered state and I was not sleeping well because I was alone at the apartments. Mm. And so, you know, four in the morning comes around and here I am and I'm supposed to be recouping so I can be there 
And so then Jake just offered to stay with me and it, it became a romance on the first day. Um, mm. Like it was very delicate, but it was clear there was interest. And so we just kind of right. went for it. Yeah. And uh, to, to the surprise of, of, you know, some of some friends and family, it, uh, it's been solid. I had before that decided that twin flames were absolute hokum. Mm. and you know it was just this romantic bullshit story that poets like to talk about and you know, <laughs> having been one of those bullshit poets when i was younger but i'd kind of given up on it and you know i was like nah it's just it's just hokum you know and i don't think i'm gonna find a serious like long-term serious commitment at this point of my life because i'm 49 and uh, most of the folks that are also single at this point uh well there are reasons mm. And then uh, Jake and I happened and it like the telepathic mind bond happened instantly. And I watched him like slide into my patterns and me slide into his. And we started like instantly anticipating each other's needs and just moving to fulfill them. Mm. And we are both very independent, but also take care of each other. I'm usually the caretaker in every single stuff. I refer to the Alex Gray painting. Mm. And so that, which Alex Gray painting? There's this wonderful Alex Gray painting called Journey of the Wounded Healer. Mm. Um, maybe we should edit in that. Oh, I'll show it for the people on YouTube for sure. Yeah. Exactly. This yeah. is it. This is what she's describing. I still don't know what it looks like, but she does. Yeah. So <laughs> you should definitely this... superimpose the painting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, there's this 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 painting, and basically it's exploring the idea that the healer often starts out with soul wounds of their own and then climbs. So there's this image of the healer with the caduceus um having triumphed over the oh, road that sounds familiar yeah climbed up on the mountain to receive wisdom and then they bring it back to those who are still in pain mm. so, uh, there's definitely an element of that with me and a lot of my relational choices and for this time sure it kind of started off looking like the same pattern but he turned it around and rescued me as much as I did him. Mm. And we formed this really solid bond where now neither of us needs rescuing. Um, we've both healed a lot and support each other. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that was um, kind of the happy surprise that came yeah. out of the really intense life period. And mm. I really- That was a while back, right? No. <laughs> oh, oh, very recent. Just a couple of months at this point. Oh, okay, I mean, okay. It seems like we've lived a good- couple of years in yeah the past time has been speeding up or, or slowing down or both or something it's sort of a psychedelic quality where it's it takes Very less time so. but it seems like it's been longer like joe and i were talking about it earlier it seems like we haven't spoken in years <laughs> yeah 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 is there is megan's song the name you go by um magically yeah as well um yeah at this point i probably need a new so Oh, I've heard all sorts of things about don't share your motto outside of the order. I don't. Oh, yeah. Well, you, I don't. However, you feel about it. You have my permission so, if uh, if my being a chief yeah. matters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of. <laughs> once I was out of the order, I figured it was important to um, keep the oaths of not 
betraying yeah. members. You know, that's oh, sure. I mean, it's just fucking rude. Yeah, there's a moral Regardless of, thing. Yeah, it's on, just a know, shitty thing. That's separate from the vow. People. Yeah, yeah. You know, not people. So, yeah, yeah um, my. Oh, there name, we go. <laughs> oh, there he is. Um, my order motto for uh, the Golden Dawn was Sor Caris Lapis de Lucis, um, Precious Stone of Light, mm. uh, which is very interesting because even though I'm no longer with the order, I feel that that motto is still very much who I am, Sor KLL. So I guess that's still a magical name that is active for me. Yeah. Um, I only become more that motto as I grow um, as a human and a magician, because originally, you know, one of the things that you're encouraged to do in the order is to sit with your motto and unlock its secrets over time. Yeah. For me, um, whatever else I am and whatever else I do, I tend to hold up a mirror and my mirror is generally to show people the best, most evolved, most um, self-actualized version of themselves that I can. Mm. Just, that's a big part of what I do as a healer. And um, I definitely think that connects to the precious stone of light. I've heard people say that uh, that means I'm the philosopher's stone, which seems mm. a little bit. Um, it also makes me think of Oriel as the God, as the archangel uh, for right. Earth, but his name yeah. means light of God. Yeah. yeah, light of God. But it, you know, and if you think about archangel of Earth, well, crystals are Earth. Mm. Crystals are very much of the Earth, and I'm. Uh, that's one of the things I discovered how to do. I'm a very strong crystal mage at this point. Um, st enchanting stones is a very big part of what I do. I discovered that I could charge them with Reiki, with moonlight, with sunlight, with starlight, I, you know, with ocean water. I discovered I could uh, infuse different elemental el energies into crystals and use them for healing and empowerment work. Um, I use them on my own, but also uh, a lot of what I do is enchant them and give them away constantly. <laughs> There's a steady flow of crystals through my hand. <laughs> you know, they stay with me, they stay on my altar. And then the next week somebody walks through my door that's really, really in serious trouble. And I'm like, ah, pluck. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> It's, I do that with really books. Like, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a conscious thing. It wasn't like, you know, but I've always had a strong relationship to crystals since childhood. Hmm. You know, my mother would, would laugh at how many rocks would take up space in my room because it wasn't just like, yeah, all of my relatives knew, oh, you can just give her like a semi-precious crystal and that's all you need to give her as a present. She'll be <laughs> delirious joy my great-grandfather um, so and my grandfather yeah. arrived in california and took all the good rocks off the ground so now there's no good oh. rocks on the ground in california oh. and uh and i inherited them and then oh, i had nice. then i had to leave california so i had to choose which of the rocks i've been carrying around for my whole life that i was going to you know ship with me for a hundred dollars <laughs> and what did you do with the rest I gave them away uh, to uh, oh, a couple golden dollar golden donors and friends. But I mean, I've been my whole life. There was one point I had some kind of uh, I don't know what, but I remember throwing a lot of rocks out into my yard uh, in the early two thousands. Like I was just too frustrated with how many rocks I had. And then um, <laughs> my sister hired someone to do landscaping, and so I was like, oh, 
oh my God, those rocks are gone. You know, like at first I was thinking, well, I know, I know where the rocks are. They're in the yard, you know, but then they were gone, gone. I was like, okay. But he had, he had a bottle of mercury. He had a big hunk of sulfur and he had a big hunk of salt. So of course I used to, you know, (laughs) take things literally. (laughs) Uh A little bit of mercury, a little bit of sulfur, put it on the charcoal, run. Don't go back in for a week. I think we're all gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really I love I love crystals. I have this beautiful selenite lamp on my main altar. Um, and I also have this beautiful selenite tower that I've had for years. Mm. And uh, but I love all kinds of crystals. I do seem to have a strong connection to selenite for some reason, which is intriguing because it's, you know, which one's selenite. I'm, we're learning about it. There's a stone place near here. This British guy runs. It's really nice. I was trying to think if I had a piece with me here, but I don't think I do. So it's, it's a milky shimmery white. Um, it's mm. similar in color to moonstone, but very different in texture. You have to be quite careful with it because it can peel in layers like mica if you're not careful it's it's fairly delicate so you want to take good care of it what does it mean if i accidentally break my wife's labradorite pendant um i would say that you're probably sleeping on the couch um (laughs) no she was i was like almost crying and she was like comforting me like it's okay we'll get a new one (laughs) yeah but no i would be sad too yeah i think i was more sad I actually have a piece that um, was custom built for me by a dear, dear friend. Uh, so there's this amazing person. I'm going to give a little plug to a jeweler friend of mine. Um, Lola Torgerson. Oh, yeah. Episode uh, 11 or 10. Yeah. Oh, did you interview? Oh, of yep. course you did. Yeah. So yeah, she's a magician from the 93 OTO current. She's with the OTO Horizon Lodge in um She's in also XEOGD. What's that? She was she was in our group back in the day from ninety one until ninety six. Yeah, yeah, I, well, yeah. Like one time when I was telling her all about my stuff, she she said that she we missed each other because she was like way before my time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's for she was right. my stylist. She's a lovely, lovely person. Mm. Um, we've become good friends. We met because um, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I the horizon lodge people some of them were doing the rights of elusis um alistair crowley's rights of elusis as each separate right being a rock opera mm. and oh my god how cool it's amazing stuff it, like mm. very inspirational for me in terms of long term i want to write a mystical ritual magic rock opera mm. i had started working on one but i decided i don't like i don't like the themes that are underpinning it I think that's um, too much messianic chosen one bullshit. And I couldn't think yeah. of a way to fix it because that theme was so woven in. And I'm like, no, we don't need another chosen. We, we need like, when I do this, it needs to be done as a musical that shows that positive change comes from hard ass work. And yeah. Teamwork. Gosh, that's Not so like interesting. Another chosen one high on the mountain. No, yeah. that's 
I, I got <laughs> roped in a while back to do a, so what happened was a friend of mine who didn't know anything about magic. She was in the art industry and uh, maybe she's listening. So hopefully she won't mind my version of uh, the telling of events. Uh -huh. I'm sure she has her version, which varies from mine uh, probably more than a little, but anyway. Um, so she, she asked me if I wanted to be involved in a, that there was, she was getting a group of people together and we were going to do a brand new version of the rights of Lucius. And I was like, Oh, well, well you don't have to ask me twice you know a question like that and so we get there and of course it's all being run by this like very serious like masonic oto guy and we're doing straight up crowley's version the 1911 lucius and i was like i thought you were that you said we were doing something new you know and they were like well this isn't ancient greek lucius this is crowley's lucius and then i was like yeah that's not new though you know like um and so they were like what are you gonna write it and so i was like yeah <laughs> so i wrote this satirical like like uh like a satire like a parody of crowley's saturn ritual right and uh then then i had the oh, woman do you know do you remember peewee's big adventure yes remember simone yeah. Au revoir, yeah. Pee Wee. So I had her come and play the role of Nephthys. <laughs> and, and, I, and I had this OTO guy play the role of Saturn. And the whole thing was just her like talking down to him about how he needs to like stop being oh such a, a controlling shit and like let people express their creativity, you know? <laughs> you um, shared this magnum opus with John Sewell. No, I don't John, think so. I mean, it's not, yeah, it wasn't very, really I'm not that proud of it. John. I would love to see like some sort of a hysterical, we got to get him on SFT Turner. Oh, sure, So yeah. he can do like a stupid puppets version of one of his, so he can do a stupid puppets version of the Rite of Saturn. Oh. And you can do your crazy ass version. Yeah. And, the way the two of you could bounce off each other, that would be like it's, yeah, it starts out Saturn is depressed. So the number two and the number oh, three who I've I've named uh Gani and and Angie, you know, like uh, uh Capricorn and, and Aquarius in ancient oh, Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and so then there's Saturn and he's depressed and they're like, well, what can we do, Master? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, well, would another human sacrifice make you feel better? And he's like, I, maybe. And so they sacrifice someone and it's like, no, I don't feel better. And so he kind of like, that's how my version of the Saturn right goes, you know, instead of. No, I really, like, <laughs> you and John got to get together. That shit would be like, that would be lit. It would be dope. It would be off the rails. It'd be screamingly funny. We'd all have to run for the bathroom so we didn't pee our pants um but yeah so i met lola because lola was bending in the lobby um at right of bending i think it was saturn i was trying to remember if it was jupiter or saturn mm, mm. So, oh okay okay and so i basically like i was there for the to, to see the show and one of her selenite crystals called me across the room mm. i'm not even kidding I like walking across and suddenly there's this beam of energy, like a tractor beam pulling me into her little um, bending stall. And I'm like, that's interesting. So I follow it and it's almost like a voice calling my name. Mm. And it's never happened before that. It's happened a couple of times since that. I, this is basically the point where I guess I became a stone mage. Mm. Um, the rock started talking to me. <laughs> so I like go up to 
go up to the thing and she's looking at me slightly curiously but also she's seen this happen before this happens to her and her crystals all the time because she's very magical um so i walk right up without even like looking at anything else pluck this um so it was a selenite blade mm. and it had a kyanite blade on top of it and then a jade bead mm. and so i'm basically yeah shut up and take my money <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is this and why is it literally calling my name from across the room and now like i have her interest she's looking at me with great interest she's like oh did it ah well and she explained the selenite that's kind of i'm like of course it is okay <laughs> how much nice <laughs> please don't kill me please 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 not not a thousand dollars i can't do that so yeah and her stuff is all very affordable too she really doesn't like jack the prices what's the she has a an etsy or uh she has an etsy lola fay design so l-o-l-a-f-a-e and she's also got like a you know a facebook page for the jewelry and just amazing stuff uh anyone watching check it out treat yourself yeah quite affordable nice. quite lovely so she what started us down this path is the labradorite um she's already shipped it so i'll send you guys a picture cool when it gets here um it's this custom piece it's a circle and at the top there's an amuka opal and then down here there's a piece of labradorite and the amuka opal i found at my favorite crystal store in um, worcester massachusetts mm. funky crystals give them a little plug um <laughs> they do amazing amazing stuff if you go to the store like you could just wander in a glorious days their crystals are fairly affordable i mean obviously they have like big big arrangements that are not affordable right but then they've got plenty of other ones around so it's really expanded my crystal um knowledge and that's where i get most of my stuff they have so i found the amica opal also talks to me mm. there was like but it did it it did it visually i didn't hear anything it's just the light started refracting off one particular opal and like it kept winking and catching my eye and so i'm like okay what's going on yeah nice. it went up and oh and it uh purifies communication and um increases creativity which i guess i don't really need but <laughs> what the hell i remember that well, was some, sometimes angel. sometimes oh, though the, the uh the things that you have and the things that the things that you use they 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 build upon what's already what's what you already have a strong foundation in right yes. um so like to go to go medieval magic for a minute in in the picatrix it talks about how um it talks about how people for people who make talismans like whatever you're whatever you're strong in natally those mm -hmm. are going to be the sorts of talismans that are most that that are most useful, um, mm -hmm. not just for you, but just generally, right? Okay. And and like if you think about it, actually, like that that observation like really helps when it comes to a magical society, right? Because the things that I'm strong in aren't the things that you're strong in, um, and vice versa. So. Um, you know, so it's like, sometimes you get, 
sometimes you get these really strong techniques or these really strong, um, or there's just these really strong talismans, right? Um, or really strong crystals. And they, uh, they reinforce what you're already strong in. Um, so that you become, you know, but, but just, it's a, it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like Marvel superheroes, right? Um, with great power comes great responsibility. And so like, it's not just, sometimes you're given stuff and it's not just for you, right? Yeah. It's so that you can, it's so that you can improve the whole community around you. And so that you can bring it into, um, you can bring it from wilderness to garden. Mm. Oh, that's a beautiful turn of phrase. Thank you. Sure. I, another thing I've always been a fan of, I think ever since I wrapped my mind around the concept that Star Wars was based on Hero of a Thousand Faces and wow. Carl Jung factoring in and everything, um, the idea of taking the beautiful, oh, I don't know, lessons seems like the wrong word, but like the beautiful, uh, you know, uh, messages from, uh, from history, like, like if I can hear what's being said in, uh, for example, a Christian passage or a Buddhist passage, um, to be able to put that in a science fiction package and, ha and have it, or fantasy, whatever, you know, or new poetry, uh, a new metaphor that can, can keep the wisdom, but repackage it for people who are phobic. They have allergies to religion. You know, I mean, it's like a it, you know, I have nothing against people who are religion phobic. I get it. I totally get why people are religious. Well, when you think about all the abuses, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've organized religions over the centuries. I'm not yeah. going to delve deeply into that because that's going to start a holy war once people watch. Yeah. But, Everybody has but, their but experience. I think we can it. all yeah. agree that organized religion <laughs> with crusades, both modern and ancient, has mm. caused a great deal of trouble yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely on display in this country, in America. For but, me, yeah. I, I, I also learned to uh, package them in Catholic terms and things like that, like, uh, like for people on both sides of whichever fence, like the people who are extremely over here or extremely upside down that or in a third place that's rejection of both of those positions it's like how do we communicate with it's like learning different languages but uh languages of thought like uh like it's the same language it's english but it's in the uh the assumptions and the the parables and the, the shared language the shared symbolism and and uh and yeah to well. so like not break someone's agreement reality but to give them a piece of buddhism even though they're a staunch catholic yeah. or atheist or something like that mm. yeah. yeah like that's that's a form it's a form of like um it's a form of meta wisdom yeah. right like sci-fi like is great ability... for that what's that sci-fi for example is great for that because you have you know all kinds of people love sci-fi you know uh, yeah. islamic well or i mean on that vein or... There's actually a video game that I'm in very early stages of developing called Gnosis. Mm, mm. And that really um, basically doing exactly what you were just describing. Yeah. There's a I lot want... of Japanese uh, anime that get delves yeah. into a lot of uh, Western esoteric ideas in interesting ways. I mean, probably about I as interesting as maybe delving into Buddhism or something like yeah. from their point of view, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to do the game where it is respectful 
Mm. Um, not culturally appropriative, but respectfully weaving a storyline, which, you know, choose your own, but multiple storylines where the characters are seeking gnosis. Like basically the end goal of the game is to achieve gnosis and then turn around and bring that light to the darkness of the world and, and go forth into the world and help help heal protect mm. so it's kind of like um for the first stage of the game your goal is gnosis which you know you can't make that too easy <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go through the steps but then once achieving gnosis then you open up this new module this new world where you have access to various supernatural powers and then you having chosen whatever i haven't decided what to call um the different groups, the different systems of magic, I'll get there. Egregore or path or path, path is probably Pantheon or yeah, something mm. like that. So mm. once they've chosen their path and once they've gotten to this, or maybe their preference, people, you could call it preference. the aesthetic preference and kind of like the blow everybody's preference. mind. Yeah, what's your aesthetic yeah. preference? What do you mean? What's your aesthetic uh, what, preference? Christian or, or you know, atheist yeah. or wait, what? what? <laughs> aesthetic <laughs> preference. <laughs> so then, but yeah, but once they've chosen it, then they turn, you know, they, they find allies along the path, but also there's going to be a strong encouragement in the game to work with the other systems. Right as allies like not ivory tower yeah but you know okay so i have gifts i can bring to this forming teams of different paths mm. and then going forth to fight the forces of evil or you know help people with poverty and i want to help i don't want it to be all like you know fighting mystical shit like so many other things i want actually to push them into solving real world problems in the game but like, if, okay, it's, so if it's realistic if yeah. it's re based on based on our observations of of uh, the, the the various communities around us, if you had a group of people that uh, and then you gave them a real world issue, they divide and have a schism right there. You know, like I mean, unless it, <laughs> unless it was, <laughs> you I know? didn't say it would be easy. Oh yeah, you know, like like yeah. how do we solve like uh, you know Israel Palestine? <laughs> Two different, you know, like nope, they. Uh, what about abortion yeah, well, you know would be, it depends on which state you're in you know i guess but when you when you try to have an international order and you had members in this state and that oh, state God, of I texas know. and oregon and washington Tricky. and then bring in the europeans and bring in the canadians let's make sure we don't bring up the real world at all like let's just talk about osiris and like who's going to do the lbrp next because like if we bring up anything, <laughs> anything else real. is going to be the leading <laughs> oh god i know it's terrible it's absolutely terrible uh, don't let the yeah, leaders speak so it's, it's 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 in the pipeline um that's a very long term oh yeah I, I have another video game that i'm developing before that um oh i love that it's a video game i always play the the zelda theme the orchestral cool. zelda theme when i recite from the fama fraternitatis on the esoteric nice. very nice yeah um, I, it's sort of so that the the video game i'm working on before that is connected to the fantasy series i'm writing so i'm gonna be busy nice now do you do you, are you state. on the uh do you program them yourself or do, or more just the I ideas? I am teaching myself JavaScript. Cool. And um, a friend of mine who was the head designer and head of the company that put 
about um, Game of Thrones Ascent, John Randolph is coming out with this platform that's essentially like um, a metaverse platform. It's mm. he's going to be hosting. Um, his company is going to do this hosting platform that not only will host your online game that you've created for you, but will give you access to development tools to create oh. games. Oh, that makes so sense. That's a logical next really step. He's trying mm. to give this platform that can help people like me launch their ideas. Yeah, that's like what so YouTube I'm did. I'm teaching for... myself JavaScript currently, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm going to start, I'll start working on a bare bones version sometime next year when some of the oh, other nice. projects I'm, go out. I'm heart it, it warms my heart to hear that someone's coming yeah. out with that because that's the kind of thing I was fantasizing about in, in 1990s, you know, yeah, when totally. thinking about the future of the internet, it's like, oh good, they're finally doing that, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, well, of course, one Bill Gates guy, or in this case, uh, you know, Zucker, Mr. Zuckerberg will be, uh, you know, walk, walking away with half the, the profits of it, but it's, it's you know, well, it's like, still... oh, we'll just ignore that basic flaw in, uh, in, in late, yeah, and I mean, know. at least in this case, the the uh, the visionary tech, the visionary tech dude who's behind yeah. it, I trust his motives because I've known him a few years. Bezos and, is getting half yeah. of my book sale proceeds, you know, which aren't. Much. Oh, that's just painful. Well, because it's Kindle, you know, like they it's, yeah. they they make it available. They make the tools available to uh, authors and make the tools available to video game makers but i mean that's how i it's don't know, still worth you know? It to get your products market because if you and think it's about worth it like, to see what a million people can come up with yeah, instead of like totally. having to have everybody go through the same hr department and have 30 of them come up with the next idea for whatever company you know like yeah i i think it's really going to encourage innovation and creation in the video game world and i'm really excited about his idea i had already decided i was doing this before he launched Mm. Um, before he did the press release stating you know that they'd raised this much money and you know we're hoping to launch it'll be interesting to find out what rules they're going to have to come up with that they didn't I anticipate I know. <laughs> people coming up with video games that like make people crazy in specific ways and they're like okay no video games that <laughs> no video games that are designed to drive people insane let's avoid that well, it's, it's like, it's like architecture it's, it's yeah. interesting that you say that there's this um there's this uh this interesting phenomenon that I, that I heard about just like last month I think where you might have heard about this too where there are some uh there are some people I think it's specifically teenage girls on TikTok that are developing uh facial tics oh um from but it's it's crazy because it's they're they're developing facial tics by watching TikTok videos um, of people with facial tics. Oh, oh mirror neurons. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are they keeping them once they stop? I don't know. I don't know. It, it like like the the article itself was like this is a brand new thing that like that that like nobody oh. really saw coming. Huh. Um, but it's basically this idea of. Um, of basically, this is a, this is a this is a genuine physical contagion that is being spread by social media. Whoa, isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so, I mean, so, so basically, what that is to put it in neuroscience terms, budding neuroscientists going to get my PhD in nice. a few years probably. Um, 
mirror neurons are activating in these these girls. So they've they've done a lot of research that shows that we all have mirror neurons. And so if I watch you do a thing, I might start to do the thing myself. Mm. Plus they've also seen cases where you watch somebody do a thing and your brain then thinks it's done the thing as well. Mm. And so you have this like body feeling of having done the thing, like watching athletes, for example, if you right. really connect mm. and activate your mirror neurons. Or just after any you good watch movie. somebody do yeah. an intense run, you might be mm. sitting here feeling like it's like you went through everything that the Hulk yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right. basically it's 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 essentially empathy. Mm -hmm. um and but it's a deep deep connection like you when you activate your mirror neurons it's not merely feeling an empathic connection to someone it's sharing their experience yeah so what's happening with these tiktok gals is they're connecting so deeply to what's going on with the people with the tics that they're manifesting them in their own bodies because their mirror neurons are activating and telling their facial nerves to do that wow so they should be able to be cured of it by uh i mean th that would be some directive therapy that's, that it reminds me of you are what you eat you are what you watch you are what you oh, listen to yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we're all overloaded at this point like mm. woo, overstimulation central we get it yeah and uh, but i wonder i mean religiously i mean you know are you, are you familiar with the works of uh pierre tellier desjardins the omega point and a few other things he was a catholic priest in, me, um, but i haven't read them yeah he's, he's a cool cat back when i was like hardcore catholic can you believe it um in the early in my early 20s mid 20s um yeah no he was i loved him he he uh and i still do but he his thinking led me to believe that the internet was part of the unfolding of the proper interpretation of you know the bible <laughs> i guess where where basically the the christ consciousness wakes up within the collective consciousness of humanity after the collective consciousness of humanity is wired together like the borg <laughs> which which he predicted during world war ii you know he was talking about oh, that's wild. he was talking about uh he he called it cyber he called it the noosphere um and I think he was the first one to oh, use the word is cyber. Is he the one that came up with the term cyber and newosphere? Yeah. Okay, I am familiar with this guy. Yeah, I yeah. So they sent him to China. They didn't know what to do with stuff. him. So they're like, "Will you just go to yeah. China, there, Father?" You know, like because he was he was a Catholic priest, and they they were like, "So you do you want to be thrown out, or what are you trying to do?" And he's like, "No, I'm proper. I'm interpreting this. This is the church. This is what the church is supposed to represent. Is what's happening right now and what's unfolding before our eyes." And you know, and but he was sort of like a little bit of a prophet. I mean, he was kind of. He wasn't like a raging bearded prophet, but he was more of like a, you know what I mean, like a slightly feminine, you know, uh, like a French, uh, you know, with the small beard and just speaking with great confidence about how he <laughs> perceives the world through through scripture, his interpretation of scripture. So I always thought he was amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as like, he's the most, if somebody said, name one good thing in in all of Catholicism, I can say, tell your Desjardins, you know, like they say, see, yeah. see, well, what else? Some of the architecture, you know, is really nice, <laughs> I think. You know. uh, Joan um, of Arc. The incense is so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hildegard von Bingen. 
uh, uh, and uh, of course the Tree of Life guy. What's his name? Uh, yeah, Tree of Life guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, shoot, uh, did I derail the conversation? I didn't mean. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Joe, at one point earlier, before the break. Oh, now, now we've got a, We got less than nine minutes to tell us what you were going to say forty-five minutes ago when you started talking about the serpent and the rainbow. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. basically, these are regenerative. Um, oh, these oh, yeah. are creatures that regenerate. And there's also um, a strong component of Scorpio in that. Oh, yeah. Both, of, both, the, both the Phoenix and the Serpent are images of Scorpio. And Scorpio is very much a sign of rebirth and of um, traversing the darkness and coming out stronger for it. Like Scorpio doesn't flinch from looking in the darkest mirror there is. Scorpio right. does not flinch from walking the underworld as needed as part of the process of transformation. Hmm. Um, Scorpio is sex and death energy. Hmm. And then both of those, when you combine sex and death, rebirth. So there's really um, a strong element of that. And I have a Scorpio moon. So one, one could say there's a connection there. It's definitely also very connected to my process, which can be intense at times. I always like to say uh, about it. Scorpio. Show, what's up? Oh, I was going to say, I like to say that Scorpio with the sex and death is uh, Mercury's way of thumbing its nose at the uh, sickled uh, Saturn of time and yeah. uh, creating a perpetual motion machine called life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I feel like um, I feel like a lot of the um, if you look at the way that the if you look at the way that the, the tree of life is structured, mm. um, the the planets that are lower down, so Venus, Mercury, and the Moon, a lot of their work is is like thumbing their nose at saturn you know <laughs> so like the you know so like like well okay so like well what can um, you do saturn wins in the end everybody knows this yeah. you know but you so got it's super interesting those. right because yeah. because and this, the heat this death makes of the me universe. think a lot about what's that oh i was gonna say you know with as much of a perpetual motion machine as uh, life and dna may be I don't know if we're going to survive the heat death of the universe, you Inevitable know, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'll tell you. Yeah. It's yeah. this. Um, so, so actually right by, there's, there's a statue like this uh, right near my house. There's a statue of St. Michael and he's standing wow. there with like sword in hand and he's standing on, uh, he's standing on uh, Satan's head. Right. And Satan is like sort of looking at him and Satan's head's kind of like being crushed, right? Mm, yeah. And um, um, I shouldn't credit me for this. Jason Miller was the one who pointed this out to me that you can look at that symbolism in two different ways. You can look at it as like the triumph of like, of like the higher angelic forces, like crushing the demons or just flip the polarity there. And you can look at it as like Satan, like sort of like looking up and being like, no matter how hard you crush me, you can't kill me. Mm. And I will always, I'm always here just like you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, and so there's these, you know, whenever you have polarity, you have like these two forces and you're like, well, in the long run, 
Like the little guy is never going to win, right? But then, but then on the other hand, the little guy never goes away, right? <laughs> and so, like I see that same polarity with with planetary forces, right? Where you have like Venus, Mercury, the Moon, like art, music, everyday activities, housekeeping, like like all of these, all of these, like um, all of these things in the quote lower planets, right? But and and all but all of those things like fight against this this like established tradition, the norm, right? The the uh, the way things have always been, uh, the force, you know, and you know, liberal conservatism, blah blah blah. You have these, uh, you have like these polarities there. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Anyway, like the thing, I, the thing that I was going to point out before was that there's a strong mercurial current in all of what we're talking about, right? Gosh, yeah. Like oh my this. gosh, ancient Rome, ancient Rome. You know, their story started out in prehistory with no more kings. They were a little bit ahead of their time, you know, like everybody else was having kings <laughs> up until just recently. You know, America was just like, hey, no more kings. And it's like, yeah, the ancient Romans said that like fucking 3000 years ago, you know, or like 2500 right. years ago. And then uh, so when Caesar came around, he was the worst one of all, you know, so it was like so it, there was all this structure and machinery there under the under the banner of no kings. So to become king of that. Oh my God, you have to be Darth Vader. You have to be the, you know what I mean? Like you have to be that yes. level of, of emperor. I mean, I guess he wasn't, he was human too. There was two sides yeah. to Caesar. There's two sides yeah. to every Caesar, you know, but some, some of them are more like Nero and some of them are more like uh, who, what, what Maximilius, uh, the one that was a stoic. I forget his I name. He was in, was he was the old guy in Gladiator. <laughs> I don't know how historically accurate that was though. Anyway, what am I talking about? Yeah, no, I just kind of mirroring same same thing that you were saying, like the uh, having Caesar being a king was thumbing his nose at Saturn, and then mm. America saying no kings is thumbing his nose at Saturn, and people mm. saying uh, no, no, you know, no, let's be, you know, whatever anarchist, communist, whatever it is, is thumbing their mm. nose at. Yeah, it's Saturn. another, it's another, yeah, it's another yeah. form of of the inferior and the superior and the yeah. superior and the inferior right i mean the yeah the the ancient uh you know hebrews were thumbing their nose at the way that the, the status quo at the time i mean they they thought that the the way to do it was to like have these like strict set of rules and just adhere to that to make you not those assholes you know those assholes being what they can't the we know a little bit about the those those stone age, not stone age the iron age and bronze age uh empires of, of that region like the assyrians and stuff like that but uh you know it, it seemed to, i'm just going to go on a rant here sorry uh, uh the uh the the uh the when uh, the persians came around you know under uh kephos or what, what did they know him as in the bible uh well, the something the king of kings kephos the great yeah, cyrus the great was he the one uh, one of them uh then there was darius but i think it was it was the first one that gave gave the temple rebuilt the temple for the in the bible like he's like in the bible he's a historical character that actually is made it into the bible you know and uh and then uh but he was like well at least we're not the assyrians they chop off the heads of their leaders and then put them on stakes and make them watch while they rape the wives of the leaders you know we, we we're not like that you know we, we you know we're not we like have like guys. yeah but then the, then the babylonians are like well we're not as bad you know the babylonians weren't as bad as the assyrians the 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 persians weren't as bad as the uh, 
as the Babylonians and then the Hebrews aren't as bad as the Persians and then the uh, the Romans aren't as bad, you know, and then the, the, the British aren't as bad, the Spanish aren't as bad, then the British aren't as bad, then the Americans aren't as bad, but everybody's worse and worse and worse every generation. And they keep telling themselves <laughs> that they're better and better because at least they don't do that. At least they, you know, at least we don't yeah. never set people on fire, we hang them, you know, like. Right. You never actually get to the point where colonialism is benevolent. <laughs> right, exactly. I think that's the point. Empire, yeah. ever since, uh, who were the first ones? The Akkadians, the Akkadians, when they took the over uh, the, the Sumerians, and they were like, hey, we've got all this prosperity. Why don't we take over the guys next door and the guys over there and those guys down that way? And then, then, they, then there was a drought. God didn't like that one. That was back no. when God was still communicating, you know, and he just was like big fist, like... <laughs> we, we don't like that <laughs> lightning strike zap oh drop, can i tell you can i tell you plagues, this? can i tell boom, you a story boom, i've never told before i sure. 11, 11, 11 you're gonna run out of time buddy it's only got one minute left are you gonna restart it yeah i'll restart it but i'll start it with this okay. on, on 11 11 11 i uh took a heroic dose uh you know uh, uh terence mckinnon's heroic dose and um of shrooms yeah and and one of the things i experienced was a past life memory possibly of having been that last acadian king uh when the drought was setting know. in and um and and being on well. so many drugs and 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 being <laughs> abandoned even the servants left and just not understanding what was going on and just like slowly <laughs> turning into a skeleton you know it was a trippy trippy experience that's a hell of a trip yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was like a karmic, like I was keying into the karmic element behind Empire itself, or if it was my own Maybe. past life memory. I don't know which. But it can uh, be really hard to tell past life memories from Akashic records. Right? <laughs> I call it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. Am I diving in the Akashic record or am I retrieving a memory that's actually relevant to me? Is there a difference? <laughs> yeah. It's like we're all Hola. here. All right. And we're back. So for the people at home uh, or in the car or wherever you are, um, you know, every 45 minutes, because I don't pay for this Zoom thing, uh, we have to start a new chat. And so the conversation might sound a little janky at times. And that's because that's what's happening is suddenly we have to stop talking, start talking. So. <laughs> Anywho. What you got there, Joe? Coffee? It's just water. Yep. Keep my, keep my voice making organs properly organized. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. We're back. To have a. Sorry. I guess that was me. Did I drop out? You dropped. Okay. Yeah. What were you saying, Joe? I was saying that I wanted to take this opportunity to uh, to do an unplanned commercial break for cool. uh, for um, my buddy. Uh, my buddy and yours, James Clark, has recently oh, released yeah. an album. Did um, he? Yeah, nice. yeah, and it goes by uh, really? he. His project is a homunculus algorithm. Mm. I have got to get me some of that. Mm. Yeah, check it out. I mean, it's okay. it's like this. Uh, hmm, how to describe it? It's it's a little like like like. Nine inch, nine inch Nails meets Marilyn Manson meets the intensity of the adept experience. Mm. Fuck me. All right. I got to get my hands on it. Yeah. Crazy. Like he definitely, yeah, I like his James, stuff. 
Yeah, James yeah. I James haven't Anders. heard his stuff. I, mm. I knew he was a magician, a musician as well as a magician. Mm, but yeah. I've heard like um oh god. Jace also is a musician. It's really so here's an interesting parallel. I made a music video for Jace. You did? Oh, really? <laughs> I did. I'll put I'll play it right now. In the dreams of the minds of the sacred Nefesto images of the world around, we can see that there is nothing that we should understand. Nothing that exists outside our own little mind. Nothing to keep us sane. Have you ever looked into the dreams of the unsuspecting public during the hours of their deepest vulnerability? There's that lady. Uh, yeah. anyway. Oh God. I've noticed this real parallel between magicians and musicians. Mm. Like it's not a one-to-one -one ratio, but if you went and you pulled, um, you know, the general circles, there's a big correlation between um, aptitude at magic and aptitude at music. Ah, Led Zeppelin. That people point. tend to developing. I mean, like right in this room right here. I'm a musical theater actress and a singer songwriter and, you know, started a band. Um, I'm classically voice trained. So I didn't go in the direction of opera. It was always more musical theater for me. Um, yeah. But then you've got like um, Jace, Jace, I think was his last name. Um, I'm going to bleep that just in case, because he, he goes by uh, Ninth Key. Ninth Key is yeah. the name of the band. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't remember if he put and his that's name. And I X key. So for people who are Googling, yeah, it's Roman just it. 
Um, but yeah, like he, uh, oh my God, fantastic stuff. Like I love that album he did. And then I can't wait to hear James Clark's album. And like, I'm putting out Empress, my tarot-based craziness. Um, yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I've noticed, I've noticed a lot of the time with, uh, with people who are, people who are deeply magical, they, they have this like, like it's, it's a really cool balance because there's this, there's this softness to them a lot of the time um, because they had to, because like you really have to struggle to get, to get to where you're trying to go right it's not it's not an everyday thing you there is no established institution you don't even know completely where it is you're going so there's like there's usually this like humility and there's this softness but then underneath it there is this like mind-blowing intensity Mm. to them a lot of the time because it's like you just you need to be able to continue to push yourself Mm. Um, and like it's not like like there's often a, a connection find that a lot of Eastern meditative practice as well. Yeah. And I think it's just a softness and yep. sort of to balance our intensity because our brains are like, our brains are going, there's also a high correlation of ADHD and mm. magician. Right. Yeah. Our brains yeah. are going yeah. a thousand miles a minute. We're, we're pattern recognition geniuses, most of us. We can right. look at like which is what makes you able to dumpster dive well, in the record that, that brings up something yeah. I got derailed earlier. I'm sorry that this yeah, is from an hour ago. I uh, when you mentioned ADHD, I uh, I I mean I think that if I had been uh, diagnosed, I would have been. I mean, you know what I mean. If they had checked, that I would have been diagnosed. But I think that ADHD and this kind of thing is people who didn't grow up playing video games diagnosing people who did, and uh, <laughs> you know it's yep. like. Uh, I think uh, yep. I won't say it's causation, you know, but there's a strong correlation probably between people who stared at glowing screens from the time they were infants and uh, people who uh, have ADHD, you know, I mean, and uh, or have have trouble, you know, focusing along, you know what I mean? Or sitting in a chair, in a plastic chair in a classroom for seven hours. Are you psychotic? You know, like, and so of course I threw things and of course they held me back a year. And of course, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so, so I, I get it, you know, damn. Oh, and it's so interesting how differently it is. (laughs) I mean, in my case, um, a lot of my mental health challenges uh because of both the trauma of my childhood Mm. and then continuing into my adult life plus um just the societal conditioning of being a woman um a lot of my stuff masked and i got a lot of those diagnoses much later in life um Mm. i am also autistic Mm. and if you've known me a while it's like super duper obvious in some ways and super subtle in other ways i i really um i'm a social engineer i can connect to people um and so a lot of that like social challenge aspect was not obvious Hmm. but i also am absolutely blind to social cues like learning social cues at a deep level such that i was not constantly tromping over people's boundaries Mm. 
that it's a waste of brain space. It's an absolute it, waste it, of it, brain space. Like, all that social bullshit. The so hierarchy argues and pecking orders. And, and, and to sarcasm. me, it also ties to like, you know, if you're familiar with the concept of ask people versus hint mm. people, mm. Um, it ties to that. Like, I am very much team ask. And I've gotten much more tactful about that as I've aged and, and learned more social cues. But it's, you know, it's really tricky for me sometimes. I will walk into a room and I will think that everything is fine and I will think that I have made a good impression and I will think that everything has gone well. And then I will find out later through social consequences that nope, I screwed the pooch and I didn't even notice. Do you remember I that episode? I like, offended that person. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. there was that section of the conversation where I got really excited about a topic and I did a data dump and lost the entire and i'm like oblivious i had Maybe a great I am time too. God. it was the best night ever and then the next day yeah. i'm dealing with the carnage and i'm like well shit load <laughs> oh. again uh so yeah it's it's been subtle but like the autism the way that expresses itself the way my brain works um it's all sort of tied so i also like my diagnoses are a flipping laundry list it's insane but uh the other thing i have is um obsessive compulsive disorder hmm. now i'm getting to this point in my healing process and therapy work and and so forth where i'm taking the d off of a lot of these and there's no longer a disorder component so right there goes the d yeah that's and good. so it's more obsessive compulsive tendencies it's more attention deficit tendencies and uh what it becomes is actually in a more functional healing state these become strengths right this is the way my brain works and now that i've learned how to deal with it like okay i have to be careful about overstimulation if i get overstimulated then the attention fragging gets really pronounced and i'm not focused so if i take care of myself and i'm good about my self-care and managing all of that uh my pattern recognition is intense like i really there are times where i scare people and they're like how did you know that Hmm. and i could with a whiteboard and five different colors of marker i could draw the map for you but it was really intuitive leaps it was doing to doing to doing to doing to doing to doing to doing but my brain is so open i really freak people out i made all those mental leaps in 30 seconds right and so the person i'm sitting with is like are you psychic man i'm like well the jury is out the jury is out but in this particular instance, i could draw you up of where i leave and show it to you and yeah. I, i've occasionally have bothered to do that because it's both fun and terrifying for people mm. i used to get a, accused of cheating at math because i wouldn't huh? i wouldn't show my work and i'd know you know just write the answer i got into trouble in a similar yeah. way yeah 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 <laughs> and it's just like, kind of hard to explain they have to explain it. it's like well if you look at it yeah. there's these 13 and these 13 and if you separate it and take five out then you know the answer you know and they're like well but what you're supposed to write it out and it's like uh-huh i got in so much <laughs> trouble i think it was seventh grade math it was seventh or eighth grade math maybe eighth grade so basically like we were supposed to learn algebra and so the formula for how you got from point z right, to y yeah. was mm. 
equally as important as solving the equation. Yeah. But yeah. of course, me, I'm making up my own ways to solve it and I'm going zippity doo They're simpler. They're easier. And like yeah. the teacher is like, no, you have to do it the right way or you're going to be in trouble in advanced algebra. And I'm like, why do I care about advanced algebra? Right. I did it right. Well, because you need that for pre-calc. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. It all builds on top of it. And that trigonometry one of my biggest challenges being like able to solve things lightning speed doing it my way uh, has made me a giant uh, pain in the ass as a student both as uh, in magic as well i hope I the estate of frank sinatra of doesn't sue oh, me for God. that when i was in the golden dawn society i would like i was the absolute delight and joy of my proctors and their absolute worst fucking nightmare at the same time i own it i'm a giant pain in the ass as a student like i'm very patient and i'm humble and I want to learn what you have to teach me. But at the same time, um, it's only recently that I've been able to go, all right, there's a reason the system is structured in this incredibly disciplined way and yeah. I will follow the path. Hmm. But that was hard for me. Like, because I could not see the point for the longest time. I'm like, well, if I can do it my way, why the fuck do I have to bother doing it your way? Right. So I've always been an open source. I've been team open source my entire life. <laughs> no, this is cool. Let's play with it. So we were talking before about uh, dumpster diving into the Akashic record, as Meg mm. put it. Right. Um, and we were talking about like the the um the overlap the overlap with like the idea of past lives mm, um right. like i've always you know whenever whenever i've had experiences like that they're always they're, they're always lived experiences right you're not you're not watching you're not like watching some events happen right mm. you're living the event yeah um and and like you know there was some question as to whether it's you know, how is it relevant? Um, and I don't, you know, I don't really know. I don't entirely know what the answer is there. Mm -hmm. um, because I mean, like, you know, we, we have lives to live. Um, oh. And a lot of the, a lot of the time it's like, it's, I feel like they have the same um, therapeutic um, strength as dreams, right? Yeah. Where they're they're speaking they're speaking to some particular part of you, yeah. That, that that needs to hear that, and sometimes that that part of you isn't even, it's not even a conscious part of you, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's this it it is arranging. This is a bad analogy, but it, it's 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 arranging your neurons in the way that they need to be arranged. Mm -hmm. um, um yeah 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 the hieroglyphs are a lot more i think uh you know like the way the brain works than mm -hmm. the alpha the abcs are you know uh, like how um, yeah connect dinosaur with uh postal service and you get you arrive at you know the dock and boom you wake up and you're like i think i just resolved something but i'm not sure what it was <laughs> i just so i just i just remembered where i was going with that oh okay yeah yeah uh uh so my question was my question was have people ever experienced something that wasn't a lived experience in other words did you just like watch events and you're like 
oh, this must be part of the Akashic Record, dude. No, I think we, I mean, when I say I think we made it up, I don't mean to diminish the, you know, other theories, but I mean, in the sense of like the, the imagination of Typhirit, you know, uh, they, they, like when a writer, I mean, you know, when, when or all the characters in all of fiction or religion or, or mythology, gods, everything, um, and the, uh, the sort of retold tales of our ancestors, all of those things are mm. these, these living characters uh, in us. And uh, sometimes we pop into their shoes for a minute and uh, learn lessons. I mean, that's the, that's the cynical atheist within me. I have one grandfather that's a cynical atheist and his DNA operates over here. And then, but from my dad's side, well, obviously it was past life thing, you know, um, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, but I think either way there's lessons because the thing I really strongly took, took with me from the one I had to mention before the countdown ended, you remember, uh, was, was that he had been rude to his subordinates and nobody was there for him when, when, when the other shoe fell when when the uh the, yeah. the the people came from the steps and just started like uh screwing up their empire and just like diminished it down to nothing and then the, the heat wave came nobody went to save him nobody you know checked in on him because he was such a shit to everybody and so it was like a really powerful lesson of like yeah. if you're in a position where people are serving you you know um, whether, regardless of what it is, whether it's you're at the restaurant and the waitress, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, is there is that non-PC? I, I, I've been away for too long. Server. I think it's yeah. server. Server. Now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, yeah, the point being, you know, just be cool, man. You know, like, like, that, like there was a strong lesson that came back from that one example, because you were saying, what's the point? Or what's the point of these dumpster dives? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I had a hard, I mean, I already kind of had that attitude when, if somebody yeah. would, would be, would talk down to the help or whatever, you know what I mean? Like oh God, I, no, I want to come in with lives. a sword and cut them with it, you know, usually, uh -huh. but, um, but yeah, just, uh, I don't know, in the context of like the golden dawn, for instance, um, Ooh. like, like people are being people are in, people are servants you know i mean they're taught to be servants or they're you know what time am i supposed to be there 8 30 and then they show up at 8 35 don't yell at them obviously you know don't like hey look at your watch even you know like be cool man you know like don't yeah. be an asshole because try to learn try yeah to when the structure dissolves when everything falls apart it's all love. It's only love and affinity and memory and, uh, and how you treated people, you know, that's all the only thing that matters. I mean, yeah. regardless of what happens when you die, that's what happens when civilization falls apart is if yeah. you were nice to people, then you're going to live, <laughs> you know? And if you weren't, you're really not. Yeah. And that know, king didn't live and he was a king, you know? So returning to, to um, Joseph's question, mm. um, I had a very interesting experience with uh, Akashic Record channeling when I went to Brazil for two weeks and did six ayahuasca sessions. Mm. Yes, this was in 2004 and it mm. was one of the most, this was basically um, a pretty intense initiatory process for me mm. and a pretty intense shamanic initiation and it led in a direct line to the golden dawn like i found the golden dawn um two years after that yeah two years after that but i made the contact that would lead me to the golden dawn the next year 
mm. um, through someone I was connected to at that point, who was a spiritualist. And I actually, one of the visions was me practicing Golden Dawn magic. So mm. I, I caught a glimpse of my future self. That was the very last session. Mm. Like I was chanting um, what I now know to be Hebrew and um, golden balls of light were coming out of my throat and flying out of my mouth as mm. I was chanting. So it was a very powerful vision. But the stuff that came earlier, um, there was this particular session that was Jesus God, like agonizingly painful and intense. Um, I really, my sanity didn't survive. I, I took a while to integrate afterwards. Uh, depending on how you want to interpret it, I went into the wheel of karma. I went into a Buddhist hell realm. I ended up in this sequence where I experienced at first all of the worst of humanity. So first as a victim, um, I was killed, I was raped, I was tortured. It was a sequence where awful things were happening to me over and over and over again in quick succession. And that's about when my sanity broke. But then um, it shifted and I was the torturer. And so then I was the murderer, I was the torturer, I was the rapist. So I got to experience, and then it would switch back and forth, the point mm. of view. Mm. So I don't believe those are necessarily lived experiences of my soul. I think that it was something to teach me even deeper compassion and connection to all of humanity and to see that you know, within all of us exists the potential uh, to be an abuser. Mm. And like, so sort of it was showing me this as a way of helping me to choose and also to get a deep, deep connection to the suffering of the human race and, you know, open my bodhisattva nature. Mm. And so it was really intense. And then I had other sequences, which were also interesting, like, Next one, I wandered in my dreams and wandered in um, the creative realms and basically wandered around in the novels I hadn't written yet. Oh, cool. And like went through this dreams, dreamy sequence where I was in this place um, that was a pure creativity realm. So there were like citadels built of crystalline thought and music. Like if I touched one with my hand, the music would swell inside of me like an entire orchestra was playing within my body and head. Mm. Um, and then one of my characters from a half finished novel walked up and took my hand and she looked different. So I didn't recognize her at first, but then she took my hand and she said, why are you not finishing my story? I need you to finish creating me. Mm. Whoa. How cool. Yeah, so they're they're like, some of the experiences I experienced on the ayahuasca were very personal mm. to me. Mm. And some of them felt less my lived experience and more very universal experience of humanity and humanity's horrors. I also, after all the horrors, got a sequence where I got to see joy and mm. where I was experiencing like joyful moments of the human race, um, being the midwife, helping a mother give birth and then setting the healthy baby into the mother's arms and you know being a just ruler and so it wasn't all torture and death <laughs> but i had to go through the torture and death to get to the right. more glorious moments of human existence mm. um yeah 
Yeah, it was a very intense experience and a life of intense experiences that stands out that two week period and the many months I took integrating it afterwards because yeah. that, was, that was a little bit much. I yeah, it took me a while with that uh, Acadian King thing. It, took, it yeah, felt pretty gross after that for a while. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I haven't done uh, ayahuasca, but I've smoked DMT well many times <laughs> but it's a different yeah. experience but you kind it's of a different experience I've, I've used, i mean i've yeah. i've experimented with pretty much every psychedelic uh available <laughs> right so yeah. i've tried things with letters and numbers that people haven't even heard of most of the time 2ct7 2cb you know 2c oh my gosh yeah the i've played drugs. very deeply in the shogun compound space mm. sasha shogun in addition to your standard shrooms and <laughs> shrooms and lsd and god i hope future employers don't watch this um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah one time on dmt i uh i just had this strong this strong sense that i needed to do yoga and meditate daily and uh quit my job and leave the order and get divorced and move to india and uh, then the phrase watch out for that shit, in India, in India, they know how to be human properly was the phrase that came to mind. And that was, that was the fourth time I spoke DMT, it sort of planted a seed <laughs> back, back in 2011. <laughs> I guess it did. Wow. My favorite, uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Akashic record experience isn't this is not nearly as exciting as oh i want to hear it uh, it was um i had i had this like intensely lived experience that i was i was like a 90 year old man living at the top of a um like i don't know if you've ever seen i don't know if they have these in other parts of the world but in new england there's a lot of like high rises where where mm. elderly folks live mm -hmm. and i had this like really intense experience that i was a 90 year old man living at the top of one of these high rises mm. and i was just like looking out over the i can even tell you where it was but i was looking out i was like looking out over the over the city and i was just I was just thinking about how much it changed. And then I was realizing like, I'm 90 years old. I mean, it's 90 and moreover, like I'm not, there isn't that much left. Mm. And it was just this realization of, it was just this realization of, um, um, of that like universe of living experience mm. available to all of us. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's that's good. I, yeah. good that was my that was my favorite that was my favorite one. And like like ever since I've had that experience, I'm like, I hope I get to be that guy someday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you do. Yeah. There was one that I had where I was a monk and I was a, a like a soldier and it was old Italy or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh and uh, but I was secretly seeing the abbot's daughter or someone's daughter, you know, like like uh yeah and and uh so they took me aside and said okay we're gonna kill your wife and your unborn daughter i mean you're gonna kill your wife and your young daughter uh by fire we're gonna burn them to death or <laughs> unless you lead the the first uh 
you know, thousand men into the first crusade or whatever. Oh. And, uh, and so I did that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and the memory I had was of very convincingly using my knowledge of scripture to convince all the men that they were dying for God, you know, and twisting, twisting the scriptures in a particular way that, that, uh, that fit the, uh, the scenario that fit the, what was going on and making mm. making the making the muslims out to be the bad guys in the bible you know and uh and then dying on the battlefield and my last thought being that i'm the only one that's not going to heaven because they're all fighting for god mm. but i wow. know it's a lie <laughs> and then I was like was that really me that was one of those things where for a while I thought that was a past life and I was like walking around like Jesus I must have some terrible karma but then later I started to consider like that might have just been like you said a deep dive into the or, or the imagination you just came up with it spontaneously right yeah who knows? Who knows? yeah my favorite, my favorite Akashic record memory um isn't human I was and I uh, had this incredible, beautiful vision of being a lioness in Africa. Mm. Uh, there was a particular tribe and the tribe uh, befriended us. So there was this particular pride in this particular tribe that had formed a symbiotic relationship. And so they would bring their, they would occasionally give us a baby and the neighboring tribes thought that they were sacrificing their children to us mm. and that we were eating the children. No, um, we raised their cubs as our own mm. and we would give them cubs to raise as their own. So you had this cross pollination between the lion society and the human society. And it strengthened both because then we would have these powerful hunter magician types off of the kids that we raised. Because you know they were wild. They ran with the lions. Wow. They learned how to hunt. How yeah, and then they would go back to their society. They would go back to their society, and they would be changed. Wow. And then they would learn human society, and they would be such powerful magicians, oh hunters, etc. It strikes me as strikes me as a memory from oh gosh, long time ago, like. Uh, yes very long time ago like and pre-agriculture so, almost pre, like, yeah uh, very like very way pre-agriculture kind of i think i'm gonna make a novel out of it oh it's so good yeah i totally mm. should well so i, I say we take all of these things and make them fiction i'm all for that like i mean unless it's just like horrifying and there's no i mean i i for me personally if yeah. something is not ultimately uplifting or if it's a downer, if it's not, uh, you know, I mean, I try not to like uh, just put negativity out for negativity's That's, sake, you know, yeah. like, oh, this is some good smelling negativity. Like, no, um, but <laughs> unless it leads somewhere, unless if it's the V and the LVX, then yes, but yes. there has to be an X, you know. Um, that is actually why I knew Ragnarok. I realized that Ragnarok, um, the rock opera, the mystical magic rock opera is also it's also going to be a political activism piece um it was going to tear apart audiences mm. it would have been profoundly irresponsible to write it and produce it and put it out there because um the mimetics involved ultimately it could have been healing but 
I realized I was writing something that was like the kind of Scorpio intensity bullshit healing I get up to. Right. And I've already said that a lot of the way I play is to don't try this at home, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so writing an entire musical and then trying to produce it and perform it at Burning Man and perform it in different cities and make, you know, videos of it. I realized like, this is so fucking irresponsible. But I, it could be a good act too. Maybe. Yeah. Something. Maybe. And, and, and there's also, there's also something to be said for, um, I think I, <laughs> this is something that, this is something that RC like called me out on, on, oh. on his podcast was like, so, so earlier on as a terror nerd, I said, like, I said, like, I just want to join everything. I just want to like join all the cults. I just want to join all of it so that it can experience everything. Right. <laughs> RC was like, that's tremendously irresponsible. Like you don't, you don't want to lead like new students on this path of, well, just do whatever you want because, because that's like, that's the way to trauma. That is the, you yeah. know, that's, that's, the, that's the, um, you know, the basement hallway to hell. Um, <laughs> But okay, okay. So, but I just want to point out, the path of the fool is really high up on the tree. Yeah. And that, and that. You're not wrong. The things, the things that you're learning. This, okay, and and that all of your experience <laughs> comes through the favorite, right? So it comes through imagination. Yeah. So, so like, you know, and, you know, with the fool, we have this guy, maybe I'm just working with the fool a lot lately, but like, like you, we have this guy, he's got this like yapping dog behind him. And a lot of people take it as, well, that's the beginning of your journey. That's like, that's like, you're a fool before you become wise. But mm. I sort of disagree. Yeah. I think yeah, that, that's way, I that's the that, exoteric uh, interpretation. Right. Uh, it's very simplistic. And judgments about revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> well, and it's about innocence leading to knowledge. I mean, yeah. the fool yes. has an instinctual, intuitive wisdom. Yeah. Right. You know, and there's part of a lot of the interpretation of it is often the dog is trying to warn him not to go over that cliff. Yeah. But I see the fool coming up to the cliff, joyful, innocent, looking at the world. He's not going to fall over the cliff. Right. He's going to either jump off the cliff, grow wings, and fly. Mm -hmm. That's a possible fate. Or he's going to look from this vantage point over the larger world, take some roadmap from it, and then go on a path that isn't going to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and, like, yeah. Right. Like what I'm starting to realize is that it takes a tremendous amount of experience and probably some sophistication to be able to successfully traverse that path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm just going to like, I'm going to join a Kool-Aid cult today to see what I can learn out of it. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. That, that, well, that sounds someone like who approaches their own people, incarnation right? cycle, the way that people approach a video game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'll spend this life. Uh, in that. Like, in I, I haven't precisely done, I haven't joined everything ever, but <laughs> I have definitely um, gone from one thing to another thing to another thing and learned a great deal. And, you know, what I'm doing now, as I am forming my own order and no longer affiliated with any of the other ones, is definitely a synthesis. Mm. And I think, like, that's not as crazy a path as it could be. 
that you're describing, like you can get tremendous value out of that. It's just you have to be careful because it's a pretty ungrounded path. It's a pretty ungrounded way to it's, work. It reminds me of Thoth a lot. Yeah, the lightning, the lightning. Yeah, quickness, like like just that, sort of. Yeah. He would say, "Go for it." Like if you, I mean, that's the yeah. thing with Thoth. You don't ask Thoth for advice about you know, should I take this poison? He'd be like, "Try it, <laughs> see what happens." You know? Right. Yeah. Every time, every time I've always asked Thoth a question, his answer has like ninety five percent of the time, his answer has been, "Do both." Right. So. Right. So like, like, you know, whenever I come to him with any sort of choice, he's always like, well, just transcend the choice. You, you can do both those things. You can do mm. both. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, so I mean, he's, he's, uh, mm. he's a scientist. Mm. So yeah. he's very fond of experiments. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Give it a shot. See what happens. He'd gladly let you experiment <laughs> on yourself. Like, you know, <laughs> I think, I think like I've been living with this, I've been living with this, like, like, more dangerous form of that kind of energy for so mm. <laughs> for so long that that I've gotten to know it you know what yeah, I mean embrace yeah. so it's like accepted and so, it and now now I'm not saying I'm not saying that oh I have the experience to come out of a cult experience unscathed that's bullshit <laughs> and I know it but at the same right. but at the same time um what I'm saying is that there is value what there is value in that more dangerous form. Mm. Yeah, there is. It's, you know, it's, it, as we said, it's, it's a don't try this at home. It's, it's not grounded, but you can get tremendous value out of it. What mm. you then need to give yourself time for is integration. Mm -hmm. Because if you're bouncing from path to path and taking some of the knowledge and some of the knowledge, for one thing, if you're bouncing before you've learned the whole system, you're only getting part of the picture. And that is its own thing um, for another, then you've got all of these like dueling ideologies and systems in your brain. And you have to figure out a way to, you know, all right, this is not useful to my process. Flip, let's discard it. Mm -hmm. These two connect in this really cool way. Let's leave them. They actually have to be. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, aftercare work you have to do for yourself mm -hmm. if you approach it that way i think for sure yeah yeah that's really interesting it just it makes me think about like so many you know so many so many parts of so many parts of the golden dawn experience mm. are these things that like like you know some of these things just take like years and years to yeah. to understand, right? To integrate. Yeah. Um, it's very complex. It's a very complex system. Yeah. Hmm. And it will not, not just complex, but like some of it is just like, like when we were, I don't remember. Oh, right. Yeah. When we were talking about um, like uh, service, when we were taught yeah that brought to mind like i seek to learn that i may serve right mm -hmm. right and every time i've heard the phrase used in like used for a real, real world scenario it's like it's usually somebody's stressed out when they're saying it <laughs> mm. 
talking of mm. like, I remember one time, it might have even been you, Edward, where like, where we were standing behind, we were standing behind the temple, right? And like, whoever was said it, like they were like smoking a cigarette and they were like staring into space. And I was <laughs> they, and they were like, I seek to learn that I may serve. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That sounds Texan. It's the polar opposite of how I've ever used the phrase. Mm-hmm. I really, at times where I've used the phrase, it has been in moments of tenderness and mm-hmm. moments of like really feeling my feet on that path. Mm-hmm. I seek to learn that I may serve because just learning and keeping it and hoarding it is bullshit. Mm-hmm. I want to learn specifically so that I may serve, so that I may share what I have learned in a way that helps that empowers that heals yeah so i find it intriguing that your observation has usually been seeing people uttering it in moments of frustration for me it's been the opposite i have these beautiful yeah. moments like wow well, there's, there's the bodhisattva aspect of it that's like, very much the thing with me <laughs> the, the 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 uh the chicago experience and the california experience were uh, very different, I think. And Joe had a little bit more of the California experience um, where, where it's like uh, you're, you know, you're, your love and your passion for magic and your entire social circle and not to mention love life and whatever else is all tied up in the group. And you could be cast out at any moment for looking at someone the wrong way, you know? So yeah. th- there's that aspect of it. Like, I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, um, slightly. but uh, yeah. So like when someone has a tantrum and yells at, you know, or whatever it is, and you have to like, just swallow your pride and say, yes, sir. And go do the ritual or mm-hmm. be cast out and never, yeah, you know, no one can speak to you ever again. Um, then you might you might find yourself smoking in the back and saying, I seek to learn that I may serve, you know, with a little bit of spite. But Chicago never got that bad. Um, th- those guys were, I love those guys, you know, but anyway. Um, and there's really one of the things that's so beautiful about the way yeah. they're called to it. Hello. <laughs> See. India. India Starbucks. This is a very fancy glass that my sweetie has. Um, you can't see it as well when it's full, but it's got little bees on it. Oh, nice. Caramel very apple good. cider, which is delicious. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Oh, God, it's amazing. Just discovered it. It's a Ver- Vermont thing, apparently. Huh. He's on a campaign to get me to move up here, which is basically succeeding um, admirably mm. because... He knew I had the mentality and and just general personality for Vermont. It's um, so New Hampshire makes a great big deal about being the live free or die state, Mm. whereas Vermont is just very quietly freedom Uber Wallace. Right. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, exactly. Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Nothing nothing more need be said. (laughs) Vermont, Bernie Sanders. So no wonder I'm trees. Happy. It's a lot like Canada. <laughs> There's uh, trees. Yes, Might as well be Canada. It's like, you know, just sort of a we'll make this uh, US just for fun, you know. Uh, Jake is saying in the background, it's a law. There is actually a law in the books where you have to have maple syrup in the house. <laughs> nice. Like it's actually on the books. It's a law. How cool. Yeah, one of the old blue laws. <laughs> 
Apparently, it's been enforced over 500 times, so you have to have syrup in your house. Oh, wow. Um, well, because it's considered very, what is that? Because it's considered very because helpful. During the War of 1812, it was considered an elixir of life to save Vermont soldiers in a magic battle. Wow. Soldiers. Yeah. Just in case the, the British, British come back, you have it, to have it. Apparently, was an elixir of life. Oh, wow. How cool. Yeah, pretty wild. But I, I don't have a problem keeping syrup in my house. That's just fine with me. In Bhutan, you have to have some homemade sake with uh, with egg in it, um, just in case the local whoever comes by to visit the- uh, That is wild. Right? Hello. Joe's back. Hello. <laughs> so um, what we were starting to say was talking about Chicago's relationship, the Chicago Temple's mm. relationship to um, I seek to learn that I may serve. So right. I really like, they're very devout about that. They were mm. very devout about that. And one thing that was impressed upon me very much from day one was the point of this isn't the glorification of ego. It's quite the opposite. It's letting go of ego and choosing a life of service to the human race and mm. to God. And, you know, there was a real sweetness yeah. to the way they were interacting with the phrase. And that, that that's what it was and should be and is. And I think that it's just when it fails to be that or when it fails to serve that function or, or uh, I mean, the idea is good. It's like uh, the Declaration of yes. Independence or the Communist Manifesto or any other idea that's good on paper, you know. Um, not to <laughs> declaration of independence is a little bit different than golden dawn and communism <laughs> yeah, but you know like, like, yeah, like yeah. there's a phrase on, pa on paper and then there's where you take the it practical reality of things are you, never yeah. quite as pretty as they are in the yeah. uh, the abstract yeah hmm. edward does your mug say india it says india and it's in a starbucks cup it says india starbucks coffee Oh, it was for what? a long time India was our Starbucks was like hey India and India was like what and Starbucks was like uh, <laughs> hey can we uh, eh, eh? and India was like we've got co cafe coffee day, coffee day and it Starbucks was like what and they were like we've got cafe coffee day see it's over here our colors are red and and uh, white and we have our own little symbol and that's where people go if they want fancy coffee to hang out and they get pastries and coffee and we don't need your ass so stay the fuck out <laughs> and starbucks was like um then a year later starbucks was like uh, hey india <laughs> and india was like what and then so then there's this big company called tata they made they originally made cars they made my wedding ring um they made a lot of things so basically wow. they're shooting to be the amazon of india india is doing a good job of like you know how china has like a very strict policy of like no goddamn western <laughs> colonialism anymore you know india is like sort of like soft like okay coca-cola can you know for a while they were like fuck you coke and then they were like we're gonna go soviet and then the soviet union fell and then india was like okay coke <laughs> you can come back in and uh <laughs> so but they they keep like mm, uh, mm, uh, no we don't want starbucks and so tata was like tell you what we'll make it tata starbucks we'll write tata really small and we'll get half of the money of the profits and then we'll give the other half back to starbucks in seattle Mm -hmm. and so then they're like all right but don't put them on every damn corner like you know so so yeah. there is starbucks here but it but not in goa they have it in uh, delhi and probably the major cities like uh, calcutta yeah. and you know, places like that 
I like it. There's there's so much more nuance to that mug than I realized. <laughs> I know. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, because have you seen the princess, uh, what, the little princess? Did you ever see yes. that? <sighs> Is it? The little princess. Oh, it's, uh, so it's the one with the little girl that grows up in India because her dad is a British soldier or British like high ranking someone no. and it's proof before independence it. before British, before Indian independence and her mom mm -hmm. is American so she grows up uh, she gets sent to America to go live oh well I'll, I won't spoil it but but yeah. she tells this story of uh, you know of uh, Shiva not Shiva of uh, Sita sati oh my god if she was here she'd be laughing at me uh of the the one with the 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 circle the wife of ram i think ram's wife had to stay in the circle but she stepped out of the circle because the her brother her husband's brother was imitating his voice and then she got captured and anyway it's this whole dramatic story so she's telling the story to these to the her fellow students in this american boarding school and uh but she's just in love with india and of course i mean you know what's not to love but but when I showed the movie to Piu and, and her sister Navi, they just laughed just from the very beginning where it opens up and she says, long ago in a mystic, there, there lived a beautiful princess in a mystical land known as India. And they both just started <laughs> laughing so hard they cried, you know? And so, so I like to, like, that's what comes to mind when I look at my, my mm -hmm. Starbucks cup is India. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. I thought it was, all I could see was India. So it's, it seems, it just seems ironic to me. <laughs> it would it would be like like if I had a cup that just said Rhode Island on it. When they they drink these tiny teas and tiny coffees, and then they give me mine, and I'm like, "Can I have another one? Can I have another one?" Have another one? <laughs> and they're like, "You would drink so much coffee." I'm like, "No, I haven't even drank one uh, tall mocha yet." You know, like I'm halfway through. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's funny. <laughs> Wow, that's 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 really interesting mm. that you now you're in Goa and you have American appetites. Uh, <laughs> well, they have they have uh, plenty of uh, they, you know they have a lot of tourism in Goa, so there's restaurants mm. for all okay. types, all tastes, and all uh, mm. you know however much money you want to spend, you know. So, I mean, it's not not expensive to have lobster or something here, but it's available, okay. you know, just not everywhere. There's a lot of local restaurants where they just have like fish curry. There's like going food. And then there's mm -hmm. like uh, Portuguese food and then the blend. And then, and then there's uh, Indian yeah. food. And then, so for the Indian tourists, there's like food from Punjab, food from South, food from Delhi food, but you can't get proper anything. It's like anywhere you go, you can't get, like in um, Naked Lunch, the, the American complaining, you can't get a proper hamburger here in Morocco, you know, <laughs> in the right. 60s, you know, of course, you know, but but yeah, anywhere, anywhere in India you go, you'll find people from other parts of India saying you can't get proper food imitating the food from this other region of India so <laughs> and I mean I can't even imagine what an American Indian restaurant I mean not American Indian but an, an Indian restaurant in America would uh, taste like to my wife I don't know we'll find out one day <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah no. be entertaining
We just got our first vaccination. I think uh, we're two hours into it, so I can bring up a controversial top topic. Um, no, we, uh, <laughs> Nobody's going to make it this far COVID, anyway. <laughs> COVID shield, it's 81% effective. It's what's available. <laughs> so, you know, Russia got Russia has Sputnik, and they were saying, you know, I, I was laughing at that name. They're like, "Why are you laughing?" I'm like, "Well, that's Russia's one thing they can be proud of." Was <laughs> they sent this little <laughs> little ship up, came back down. It's called Sputnik, and so they're hailing back to the one thing that they did once when they were ahead of the U.S. <laughs> for a minute <laughs> back funny. in the '50s. <laughs> Um, you know what's really weird to me is the mm. 50s is now what over 70 years ago uh-huh yeah it seemed like a long time ago in the 80s <laughs> but 80s yeah. came right afterward but now <laughs> right. the 60s and 70s were so turbulent that everybody was just like so so confused and disoriented the 50s seemed like forever ago but really it was not that long ago the people who lived in it were still alive at the time right yeah yeah it it's not as long as it seems because because 1981 is now 40 years ago and the 80s are further back than the 50s were in the 80s so it's like true yeah yeah What's around the corner? I mean, and but but things really are speeding up. I, what, in arranging my poetry from '99 to uh, you know today, each year has its own idiosyncrasies that are like, oh yeah, that's totally 2017, or oh yeah, that's to- totally mm-hmm. 20, 2007, you know, and just yeah. the things I assumed and said, you know, it's like looking at old uh, when they they have uh, what's that guy Bill, uh, the guy who does politically incorrect or used to that guy. I'm not a big fan of Bill him. Mayer. Yeah, Mayer. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to say Bill Mayer. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was always like saying, you know, the internet's just a passing fad. You know, like he was, you know, never took anything seriously. Like movies on the phone. Pff, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what's next. <laughs> so <laughs> get used are. to it. <laughs> but I said those kind of things too. You know, where I mean, sometimes I was accurately predicting things that were to come, but other times I wasn't. You know. Like, didn't realize that the the new fad everybody was talking about was actually something that was important and going to change things in a way I couldn't mm. anticipate. <laughs> I think the one thing the one thing from like uh, from the '90s that I'm I'm disappointed the one prophecy from the '90s that I'm disappointed about now is I remember there was more than so I don't know if you guys remember this but there was definitely there was this like prophetic subculture of the new age mm. right where like all these changes are going to happen. And the mm-hmm. one change that didn't happen that I'm disappointed about is people don't live in the ocean. I know, right? Do you right. remember this? Yeah. So somebody else remembers this. Listening ocean base, damn it. California yeah. was supposed oh, to sink into the sea. Very disappointing. Right, yeah. <laughs> so like the whole idea was that like, like the coasts would be inundated, mm. right? And that, and that, you know, uh i don't know why people had this idea but like that like miami you know the flooding wouldn't happen gradually that all Mm. of a sudden there would just be all this water and that like miami would just disappear under the sea as a as a uh an atlantis of sorts and Mm. so and the idea was that like since people couldn't live on the coasts anymore they would live in the ocean um i remember that but 
neither one of those. It's things an interesting happen. idea, though. I mean, because theoretically, we can keep a saltwater aquarium, and if you have the right combination of creatures and plants, you can theoretically walk away and come back six months later, and everything will be fine. And, mm, and nothing, like, nothing will have died. So you could do the same thing if uh, if you made a building airtight and then the ocean flooded in and you had all the right elements inside of that building. I don't know, you know, maybe maybe not, but it seems like maybe you could do it, especially if you could turn salt water easily into fresh water. That'd you're, be the big you're going so many more interesting places than I think <laughs> than I think the, the idea ever was but that's such a great idea like what if so like not only like not only like undersea communities but like undersea terrariums yeah we're making terrariums for ourselves it's like working with miniatures except our size <laughs> And you can do a lot with hydroponics too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely an idea that could work. If there was a farm that can uh, that can last for a thousand generations, then uh, surely if you have the right combination of, well, I don't know. That's the thing though, because because the farm gets things from outside a little bit. Yeah. Like like it's not all sealed in a box, and there's the sun and all. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the sun would still be there it would just be through water it would. you would just yeah. have to figure out a different way of interacting with it in terms yeah, of your yeah yeah huh. so what do you think china was doing with all our trash my god did you hear about that they stopped no. taking it that's why there's a buildup of empty freighters on our end i mean by our i mean yeah. yours and mine i think i i consider myself indian you know but uh, but you know like in america america used to give all, like half of our trash to china china was like thank yeah. you and then they so the so the truck the those containers would would go back and forth it would be like chips trash you know like soft toys yeah. beanie babies you know trash and then I, and then they suddenly they have all these new islands. So I think that they were turning the trash into islands. I mean, be. that's a smart way of, I mean, rather than just throwing it in the ocean and having it turn into a continent of plastic, you know, like mm -hmm. make a, a militarily strategic island, you know, <laughs> out of no. it, I guess maybe that's a theory. I don't, I don't know what they were doing with all this trash. No. I know that, I know that like there was this big, um, they I mean, stopped taking it though so now the, the containers are piling up on the u.s sorry go ahead. oh i see <laughs> yeah um wasn't there i don't know if this was you know what maybe i shouldn't even go here because i don't even know if this was china that did this but there was mm. this like there were these huge companies that uh that basically dealt in electronics recycling mm. um where they would harvest the gold from the precious uh, metals yeah a lot yeah, of hard the precious metals things. from yeah. old motherboards mm. um but i mean like you know in, in in either case in any case like if you have if you have like a smartphone or something and you're yeah. going to harvest the precious metals from the smartphone well it's not it's not all precious metals what happens to everything else mm. wow yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would imagine they're recycling as much as they can. Um, but what happens to the rest? Hmm. I don't know your island theory is an interesting one. Yeah, and it's it, hmm. I, it was it was part of another thought that I was having at the same time, but it went away. 
Do you, I'll, I mean, when I re, when I'm going to kick myself when I'm editing this because the first part of that was the, what I said before that, and then I was I by way of Chinese artificial man-made islands made out of American trash was going to arrive at a point, and then pff, maybe I, it had something to do with terrariums. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh right, right, right. Build a man-made island, float it up on the top of the of the water above the building you're in, and then yeah. put get some soil. You know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Put it up too. there to make, make a make to your, make a vast uh, elevator make your rice or your whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An elevator would help too. Yeah. Hmm. Or you could have people in their diver suits. That's fun. You know. Yeah, kind yeah. of treat it like, uh, and it'd be a good good practice for uh, for living in outer space too. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> for the people when when the when, when the inevitable overpopulation of the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> when eight billion turns into you know fifty eight billion, and uh, yeah. it's like, there's no room in the ocean it. anymore for humans. We gotta go. Into, <laughs> the asteroid belt looks better from here, you know. <laughs> And then their descendants will be like, why did my ancestors come to the asteroid belt? We've all seen The Expanse. Or have we all yes, seen The Expanse? Yes. I uh, love The Expanse. Show. Yes. yes. Yeah. That next season trailer just came out. <gasps> Baby. It's I mean, I, I was particularly a fan right? of the first couple of seasons. I mean, I'm still on board. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I don't feel like I'm reading the original Frank Herbert anymore. You know what I'm saying? No, <laughs> yeah. like the inspiration, you know, the, the, the author's involved and the ideas are good, but I think that he, he had a couple of masterclass ideas. I guess, what was it? He was, he, uh, the author was a big fan of Alien. They, they have a podcast. I, I mean, do you watch Ty and that guy? Um, no they, yeah ty is the actor who plays amos that cool, oh, tatted, yeah. tatted guy okay. who's like you know kind of messed up but he's finding his path and everything yeah um he and the author of the of the books and the uh screenplay the creator of of the show do a podcast where they talk about each episode it's pretty good um and uh yeah so alien was a big inspiration the movie alien when he was young, he saw that and uh, planted a seed, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, it just germinated and germinated and germinated Looking until he was an adult. And then he wrote The Expanse, you know. And so that's like, wow. he improved the on the idea. Of, of, of the ships is very akin to Alien. Yeah. But he asked himself a lot of questions like, well, would they really be designed that way? Or would they, would the aliens really be da da da? You know, I mean, would they really be, okay, Geiger esque is one step, but we can go further, you know, like. It's, yeah. it's absurd to think they would look human like in Star Trek, but it's also equally absurd to think they would look like Geiger monsters. Like, let's go further. Let's see where, how far we can take this. And it's like, yeah, that's good. Good. Keep those wheels turning. <laughs> that's the kind of sci-fi I like, because that's the kind of oh, yeah. right, you know, so. when I want to put, put pen to paper, it's because I think I've got something, the combination of elements nobody's done before, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, what do you guys think? Are we, uh, we're in the third hour now, I think. Um, do you, yeah. is there, is there anything, uh, is there anything we should, uh, should, uh, look yeah. at or. Is there anything we didn't cover that we want to cover? Right. Um, um, do you want to, uh, do you want to talk about how interested parties might seek to join the order of the rainbow serpent Phoenix? uh find us you don't on have to. facebook find us this, on facebook uh, 
this link. I'm going to put a link. Yeah, there's a link, a link on the screen. Yes. And there's a, a song on... at the end, right? That you haven't recorded yet. I have not recorded it. You haven't recorded yet. We don't know what the song's going to be, but you're going to hear it in a few, like three minutes or something. I don't know how many minutes. Yeah. However many minutes. Yeah. You can tell. Just click, tap the screen. See that many minutes. That's how, how many the minutes? song is there at the end. Yeah. The song is there. Yeah, I have to decide which one. Um, probably Cliff's Edge. Because Cliff's Edge is very much... Um, the Fool. Have you read Thomas and the Wolf, perchance? There's some I, there's some fool imagery there. I'll send you a free copy. Most, I, I'd rather I'd rather you have a copy in your hands. I'll so Cliff's Edge is um, interesting that you associated with the fool because I hadn't until you pointed that out. Hmm. Cliff's Edge begins as kind of the tower. Hmm. Um, there's this person who has experienced wreck and ruin, and she's processing it, and then it moves through a transformation process where she's transforming and transcending her pain mm. and it ends up in the sun so one of the things i like about it is that it's not a static tarot card song some mm. of the some of the songs are very solidly like okay this one is the lovers this one is empress this one moves mm. it shifts from starting off in this really dark place to processing through the material. And yeah, I suppose the fool is in there too. So you, I could view that song as um, a mix of the fool, the tower, and then shifting those energies into the sun. Or it could be that the cliff's edge is tower. Like, cause the fool stands, the fool stands, like you said, Joe, at the top of the tree in the seed in the in the uh one or the you know the ace of uh, wands it contains all the scales of all the sephirate of all the tree of life in its branches of the one wand so it seems like the fool might contain a little imprint of everything that's to come interesting yeah i mean i never I, thought of it that way but but like i i feel like i feel like I feel like that's definitely worth exploring. Yeah. Right. Like this idea that, um, like this idea of of of, I, I never noticed how the cliff in in the fool, and the tower itself in the tower, they're very similar symbols. Yeah, they and they're and they're horizontals yeah. down below. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And what else is there to fall off of? <laughs> Jimmy. sure <laughs> yeah yeah mm. well i'm gonna be thinking about that for a while yeah, yeah. That, maybe that's well, a good really note to end on to play with. <laughs> so yeah so so that link um and in the description we'll put links to everything that you've got going thus far you've got a, a facebook yeah. page uh do you have a yeah. A URL I have as a, well. I have a band page for Empress. I've got a Facebook page, um, a group for the order. Mm -hmm. And um, is there anything else? I think that was it. Yeah. You haven't published any books yet? Um, I have one self-published book of uh, poetry out from a few years back called Love is Not a Thought Crime. And I've also got um, a recent poetry chat book that I put out um, I need to finish setting it up on lulu.com so you can get hard copies, but it's currently available as a PDF. So there's an online digital version which folks can download. I'll, um, I got to set up a link to that and finish the Lulu. So 
We'll put, we'll put links to all of those things in the description of the YouTube Yay. video, as well as the, the website. Uh, each episode has its own website. Um, you can navigate oh. to it, that wherever you're watching Thank this you. from or listening to this from. It's fun to notice how many platforms, because I just upload the, uh, you know, the file old school XML RSS feed and then uh, submit it to apple and then all the other podcasts kind of get it from there so sometimes i oh. google things and so just check google esoteric or google my own name and see there's like 20 different platforms that are hosting you know making it look like it's theirs you know like right come right. to pod hub to hear the esoteric click here to listen to episode 111 you know wow. is this 111 i think it is i think i might i might be wrong but i think this didn't is we have those numbers come up earlier 111 yeah uh on 11 11 yeah, which is really cool too. because we just passed 11 11 oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i like it <laughs> yeah like frater ahad wrote uh wrote that book uh i don't know it had it had 111 at the top i forget the time nice. was it <laughs> cool. yeah he was sort of a wild man oh speaking of which oh just a last parting image um uh, yeah. one of uh crowley's disciples had a house near my old house and my mom was an architect and so when she she was kind of a wild person a little bit but she was a sophisticated wild person like ceo like corporate top oh, 500 nice. female executives 1987 kind of you know uh you know power suit and uh but so so we went up to this house and she knew you know what it was and we were snooping around and like going up and then finally someone opened the door and said excuse me may i help you i could hear you out walking around and she's like oh i'm very sorry uh we just i you know i'm an architect this is my son we were just very interested in the house did you know its previous owner was such and such and they're like yeah i knew and i don't even remember the name because i'm a total rube about these things i just you know i don't know i'm unsophisticated as heck you know but uh sal would know sal if you're listening i apologize i don't remember do you remember who I'm talking about? Anyway, um, we go inside in the living room and, and everybody's staring at this wall that just is like a regular old wall. And, but they're saying that's where it was. And then they say, look, if you can see in the corner, there's the tail of the dragon. And it's like, wait, what are you guys talking about? And then they were saying that uh, this disciple of Crowley's had this big, beautiful mural painted across the wall of the, the great hall in this, you know, in this house of uh, Lucifer slaying Michael. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, <dude>. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then of course somebody bought it. Now. Let's cover Did that up that now. Coming. Did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, from a from an artistic oh, yeah, totally. uh, point of view, of course, it's horrifying from a you know religious point of view, but <laughs> it's just fun. Anyway. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. Yay. Love it. Well, Yay. thank you for coming on the Esoteric Nerd podcast. Yeah, I look forward to watching the order grow. I think it's an interesting yeah. idea. Um, and you know, it's a it's a good idea. And uh should we name drop? There was a guy I uh I interviewed back in the episode 20 something, 20 Yeah, name drop all you like. 21, David Crawford. Uh, he, that was a that was a very interesting. Oh, my interview. dad! dad. <laughs> okay, so that that's actually hilarious. Um, so, 
we connected um you know the world the world of all of this gets very complicated mm. so robert zink left the esoteric order of the golden dawn and started doing his own thing mm. and i never met um david crawford while he was part of the esoteric order mm. and then um I, after I was kicked out of the esoteric order of the Golden Dawn, um, well, I was supposed to be focusing on a very tight path of um, getting myself to test out of Theoricus and into um, Practicus. And a little situation arose where uh, I had a friend dying of cancer. Hmm. and so I kind of went and reached for magic well beyond my grade to heal her hmm. and I very much did not stick to the sticking to just what my proctor wanted me to be working on which was basically just your most basic stuff to, to prepare my sphere to cross and so I could have gotten away with it and then I could have just done the big healies and um, reached up the tree and besieged metatron mm. um you know i could have just done that and then um uh, but being the honest soul that i am which gets me into trouble god ed you have no mm. idea mm. uh i'm very very direct and honest and the amount of trouble it causes in my life is astronomical mm. so i went and i told my proctor exactly what i'd done and he was like you're not sane." um and that's incredibly dangerous and i'm so sorry i care about you and because i care about you you need to go and you know work with a professional psych person and you need to stop doing ritual magic right now because you're going to get hurt hmm. and i'm like hey friend hmm. needed help used magic to help friend what they have but you right. know i get it he was just trying to be protective they didn't um, they didn't say anything about this beforehand they just sort of reacted based on what you said reacted based on what i said yeah uh but to be okay. fair like i was supposed to be doing banishings and middle pillars and um nothing else like and i went and did this huge ass fucking ritual because my friend was in trouble um you know and the proper way to go about it probably would have been to go and tap my proctor and you know go beseech the adepts hi i have a friend in trouble can you please help them that's that's the way things were generally done but whatever it is what it is so after the, that the healing i reconnected, I reconnected to robert zinc's um growing concern at that point which hmm. really wasn't necessarily the best choice i ever made in my hmm. life but uh as a result i connected to david and then um i left swiftly because well don't get on with what's going on in that energy current particularly mm -hmm. well. We'll leave it at that. And then moved along to uh, wander, wander the earth, reconnected to David uh, earlier this year, I guess, when he left that whole situation and moved to Vermont. Yes, he's in Vermont too. Mm. So. Oh, good. Is he healthy? Is he eating well? He is not healthy. Um, I think he's eating as well as can be uh, expected, but he's in pretty poor health. I visited him up in Vermont um, like a month ago, and he's, you know, he's got emphysema at this point, and so he's very, he's pretty weak, but he's uh, as lively as ever, as you can tell from his Facebook postings. <laughs> he's all over Facebook, and 
he's become one of my teachers and um i lovingly refer to him as my spiritual dad and he is delighted by that so we we have a very strong connection he's amazing That's like good. oh my god he looks like flipping gandalf these days <laughs> if you see him he's got the beard he's got the long hair he's yeah he's gandalf the white here right here Okay, what you just didn't see was uh, David Crawford starring in the hermit portion of the tarot video from my old art days. <laughs> I can see oh, it. Oh, and here's another one. Okay, that was uh, him and uh, and Lana um, in an advertisement I made for Robert Sink. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that guy. He's amazing, and yeah. you know he's he's been through a lot, and so we sort of bond over that too. We've both been through a lot, yeah. but he's um he's he may be weak in body, but he's as lively as ever, and um, truly very wise and insightful, but also like hella trickster so you never know what you're gonna get like yeah. you can you can be getting the deepest wisdom of the ages or you can be getting some absolute bullshit that he's spinning to amuse himself and even his absolute bullshit spins to amuse himself there's usually some current of a lesson he's trying to teach because he's just like pure fucking trickster he's like this this hmm. wild old sage um, i suppose that makes sense yeah trickster. Hmm. yeah yeah, hmm. which is great though, because I'm never bored. Hey, David, read Thomas and the Wolf. You'll like it, Mr. Crawford. <laughs> I know you're watching this. <laughs> I probably will watch. I don't I know if anyone watched watch the whole thing. Do you this approve of how I'm of how I'm treating your daughter, your spiritual daughter? If not. Feel free to give me a little light smack, but oh, I'm sure he will. He's I'm sorry, sure. brother, but the earth is round. I'm <laughs> never gonna let up on well that. <laughs> I felt quite well but if but if it's much. a trickster thing, I get it and I I respect it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, he's delightful. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. Let's close up uh, before this okay. one runs out. What do you say? We have oh, seven minutes. Well, yeah. Seven minutes good. to seven minutes to say our final thoughts. Okay. What do you think? Uh, 
thank you for uh, thank you for meeting with us, Meg. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was a good, great time. A good injection into a otherwise cerebral and male dominated podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Not to say it wasn't cerebral, but it was a different part of the cerebrum. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. Very cool. Thank you very much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good to get the word out. So there's that mm-hmm. link. What is the link? I don't know. What's I'm I'm, I'm just pointing. Uh yeah, we'll, link. We'll, we'll put the Facebook link for the order. Yeah. So people who want to find it can find it. <laughs> Sounds good. And I look yeah. forward to hearing the song. Okay. And uh, I'll hold off on publishing this until until you send me that song, and we'll okay. throw it in at the end. And throw me an image that you want accompanying the song, like maybe one of those art pieces can sure. slowly zoom in while the song is playing or zoom out, whichever is creepy. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Cool, cool. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thank you both. This was a lot of fun. Sure. Thanks, Edward. Thanks for, thanks for having me co-host. Certainly, certainly. Thank you for co-host. I love it. Cool. All right. All right. Well, 770. <laughs> Whoa, man! Seven seventy, right back at you. Seven seven seven. David Crawford turned me onto this. His, cool. his evolved version of seven seventy is seven seven seven. Nice. It's, you uh, know what seven seventy actually is? Well, we all you. heard the speech of the Hyrus, but what he left out was that it's phonetically translated into you know and into Hebrew from english letters leaving out the e's so if you take the words love truth knowledge forget about the e's <laughs> and then translate those into hebrew and then take the number for the hebrew and it adds up to 770 or as uh, as the former Fre- very honored freder bt put it 770 is hebrew gematria for my ass itches <laughs> <laughs> but it, anyway. well so, david crawford has made a new version called um 777 love unity and peace nice. and he considers that to be a better better three pillars so i've i've totally just ganked that because open source um so i use 777 and 93 with um with the order of uh, the, the order that i started with the order of the um serpent phoenix rainbow very serpent cool phoenix. yeah because i i consider that a good building block and i feel i have not yet received a minerva but i'm planning to get one hmm. uh so yes i'm still jumping from org to org as well joseph <laughs> um but yeah well it's it's just basically like i feel like i gave a good many years to the golden dawn current and a lot of people over the years have said, honey, your general energy and lifestyle choices put you more in the 93 zone. Mm. So um, I also find, you know, I've read a great deal of the material and find it quite beautiful and intriguing. Oh, yeah. Well, and from so, a Thalamic point of view, yeah. having a background in old school Golden Dawn is like a little bit of a badge of honor you know it's kind of like being a christian who converted from judaism like you get the special seat you know like yeah no and they've been very welcoming (laughs) 
Um, so that I really connected to a lot of those Seattle Horizon Lodge folks. Mm. And it was one of them that um, put me in touch with a member of the um, Salem KTO, mm. um, the Knights Templar Oasis in Salem, Mass. Interesting. It's, cool. uh, it's doing the virtual show that I have the Angel Azrael painting in while we're talking nice. about other cool nice. stuff going on. How yeah. cool. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's one of the places she wants to go. She wants to go to Salem, actually. Yeah. And oh, to, your wife does? Oh, really? which museum? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Would you a lot of that come stuff. over here? I'll go with you. I love Salem. And <laughs> yeah. I live in Acton, so that's only an hour away from Salem. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If you come to America, you guys got to visit me. So, <laughs> yeah, and, then we'll and I'm, to Salem. I'm an hour south. So oh, yeah, cool. no. If they, have a ready if they come to America, we are all going to Salem. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. That sounds like cool, fun. Cool. <laughs> so get over here yeah no everything's a little weird with covid right now yeah yeah in due course with the vaccine we're going to be able to move smoothly around domestically because there's a lot of india that i haven't seen there's a lot of india she hasn't seen too so oh that'll be beautiful to go and experience I, I still have my Buddhist pilgrimage is incomplete. It was originally a Buddhist pilgrimage. I went to where he was born in Nepal and then I came to India and we met and then yeah. <laughs> pilgrimage what pilgrimage you know like i went to sarnath but then i was like oh, i missed you too much when i went to sarnath i'm never leaving your side Aww, again that's that's so been my, so yeah so i have to go to bodh gaya because that's next on the pilgrimage but, yeah, so, and she's from there you know like so, there you go i mean she's from down the street from bodh gaya like like mahayana buddhism the original you know started here where buddha sat and became enlightened is here Vajrayana, the first school was here, and Pew's family's from here. You know, it's like nice. I, everything I lacked as being a white guy born in California, you know, having any sense of roots or identity as uh, I vicarious, vicariously through this union, I'm like, ah, finally, I'm Indian and from, from where Aww. Buddha was <laughs> preaching, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't have to like, I'm, I don't fall in the category of, you know, white guys into buddhism you know what i mean like it's sort of like i, I mean the it's I an image it's not like a real thing but it's but it is a real stereotype a real image but uh so it's nice to vicariously just be like nope nope totally so well all right all right here's to now, you both gonna... thank you i will now sign off uh okay. thanks guys Absolutely. and uh, meg thank we're gonna see joining. each other soon yeah yay Woo! yeah cool all right. All right. Woo. See you later. Right. Have Talk a good day. Thanks. You too. A good Peace. night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Good night, Freddie. Yeah. All right. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Megan, for being our guest today on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Thank you, Joe Zabinski, for co-hosting this episode. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the harp intro and outro to the conversation itself. And special thanks to all those whose clips and music I used throughout the interview. 
And most importantly, thank you to you, the esoteric nerd, listening to this podcast. As promised, we will close with Megan's song performing Cliff's Edge. Good night. Standing on the edge of the cliff, standing here alone in the dark, seeking for my spark, seeking for my spark. I'm not gonna die here alone, I'm not gonna die here tonight, but I can't find my spark, I seem to have lost all my life. I don't need to ask why I know I deserve to cry No, I don't need to ask why I know I deserve to cry I hit like a nuclear bomb I fell from the heavens above And I destroyed our love I destroyed our love Thought you were kissing a girl Thought you held a goddess in your arms Till my wings and claws came out Till my voice rose to a shout So I don't have to ask why I don't have to ask why I deserve to cry I deserve to cry Standing on the edge of the cliff, standing alone in the dark, I think I have finally found my spark, and it burns right for you. So now I know what to do. Love it pains me to say goodbye. It is time for me to try. I'm spreading my wings so I can fly high. You can watch me in the sky, and you can watch me fly so high. My heart is with you, but I can't understand what I put you through. So I'm flying away, away from you. And I'm looking down this beautiful moil of I am taking the memory of your face. No one could ever.